He's the kind of man who wouldn't leave you a crumb on a plate. If City ring up this morning and say, come on then, what's the price? He will say it's X. It's not X minus 10%. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Well, well, well. Episode 15 of the Football Pod with Andy and Paddy. There's been a change in the way it's all been done here around here. What? Mayo, yeah, 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 hold on. Mayo. There's a change for the contract again. Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's happened, folks. Dublin's incredible run, six in a row at All-Ireland titles, has come to a crashing end. Mayo have beaten them after extra time. Poor Paddy Andrews had to sit beside me in the press box. Andy Moore and you had the joys of watching the game alongside your wife Jenny in the in the Davin stand. We all caught it on camera. We've seen him. We seen him. Robbie Henley's, Henley's equaliser. Tell us, fill us in. Let's not get into any fluff at the start of this podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'll be honest. It's funny you made myself and Jenny were going to Crow Park on, on Saturday. It was the first ever game we went to watch me own Crow Park together. We're going out since I started playing for me own. So it's uh, it's a funny one, you know. So she's had all them experiences by herself. And it was a really, to be honest with you, it was a really special day. It was, I think I probably went from being a player to being a supporter in that second half through to extra time. It was just really, I was sitting down, taking my stats, who were the point scores, who were the assists. And by the time the 56, 57 minute gone, I was, I was, I, <laughs> I was like, um, I just had the, the the program bundled up, and I was, I, I was like every other person in the in the place. So it was just an amazing, amazing feeling, immense pride in the guys. Um, we'd have so much respect for the Dublin boys. Um, we've tried so hard over the last decade to to topple them, and um, I just have. I'd have immense, I'd have, as a Mayo person, I'd, I'd have so much pride in, in the way they performed, the way they came back, the way they never said die, the resilience of them. Um, it was just amazing. And the man, the man of the hour, my man of the match from the game was Robbie Henley. I thought he was outstanding. And um, he, Robbie's had tough times and his fiance Orla and himself and they've been through us um, over the years. And for him to kick that equaliser, you see me jumping up and down. It meant a lot to me because Mio did it, but it meant a lot to me that Robbie was the person to actually kick the equaliser and bring us uh, bring bring us to extra time. And just on the extra time, a, a guy from Ballon Road came down and sat beside me. He said, I take the draw and I said, I'd go home. I said, no. I said, this is the time. I said, if we're going to do it, um, now, now is the time. And you could sense it. And uh, I was just exceptionally proud of the older guys that are in there and the younger guys sprinkled with that. I suppose youthful exuberance was just a, it was a beautiful moment for everyone from Mill. I heard a mention, I can't remember who said it, but that there was a, a sprinkling of former recently retired Mayo players dotted around the stadium. A few didn't come up on the TV. And somebody asked, are they regretting stepping away? I get the sense talking to you that there's there's no feeling of regret that you weren't on the pitch there. It's more happiness for the likes of Lee Keegan and Aidan O'Shea and Rob Henley and those lads you soldiered with for so long that some of those demons were banished. Yeah, I, 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 I do get what people are saying. Don't get me wrong. I do get what people are saying. There was times there in my career where I could have been dropped and I could have been let go throughout the, throughout the whole course of my career. Even when James was coming in in 2010, Joe, you know, you're never sure of yourself, you know? And, uh, but I, I, geez, some people would say I stayed too long. You know, I, I was 35, coming 36 when I retired. I'm 38 in November. There's no part of me that's... That actually, there's no part of me that actually wants to be on the field. Like Paddy knows the work that has to go in to prepare to get right. I remember even seeing Aiden O'Shea come out kicking the ball up, like when he ran out. And my thought was, geez, Aiden has waited a long time to do that. 
Do you know, it was there was none of me thinking I want to run out with him. There was none of that. And for us as players, yes, the lads have probably left last year. There's probably a tinge saying, could I stay in another bit? For me, I've kind of gone past that. Um, but as a group, we've put literally a decade into trying to beat Dublin. I know that sounds mental, but it was Dublin that we always put us out nearly. Like in 13, 15, 16, 17, it was Dublin that stood between us and getting to where we wanted to get to. And I think as a whole county, it was kind of, it was nearly therapeutic in a way that it was us that bet Dublin. Now, there's a massive challenge ahead. If you look at the odds for the, the All-Ireland, Kerry have two games to go on. There's still odds on favourites to win the All-Ireland. There's a huge game ahead of us. Um, between Kerry or Tyrone and and between whoever wins that and Mayo. But it was special for me as an ex-player and special for the players and special for James Horne who started the journey that we were the ones that stopped this great Dublin team. And I, I don't mean that in any way of bitterness. I think you know the respect I have for, for Paddy and the lads and what they've done over the last decade. But I think if... I, I, I've been saying, and I need to change my tune, I've been saying since day one here that I think Kerry will win the All-Ireland. And I, I've said that openly on this pod. Um, and I, I don't think it anymore, my old fans, believe me. <laughs> but but it, it, would have, it would have really hurt if Mayo didn't win on Saturday and Dublin got to the final and Kerry brought it to an end. I just thought there was something kind of poetic in it that it was, it was just that group that, 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 that ended that great run from that Dublin team. Well, I don't know if you got a chance to hear it, but um, Paddy, I thought you spoke very well after the match. Like we, we were... I've been sitting beside you for a couple of Dublin games this year and I felt like I, I recognised a couple of moments of frustration in the Mead game. You boys told me to shut up, to not mention Mead again. The Kildare game came and went. You were talking on the pod. I thought you spoke very well last week when you spoke about how much it takes to get up for Mayo. And everything looked so good in that first half for Dublin. And it all changed after that. Now, we'll, we'll get into all of that. We'll get into Dublin and, and what went wrong. We'll get into Mayo and what they got so right. But for you, it's now what we're recording now on Monday evening. If if anyone's listening to the podcast now on Tuesday, congratulations! You've got the cheat code. You're getting the football pod before everybody else. It's releasing the OTB Sports app on a on a Tuesday. You'll get it on a Wednesday everywhere else, and a Thursday you'll get it on YouTube. But Paddy, for you, at what stage is it now after a championship defeat? Now, anyone who's lost in a championship match, whether it be club level or intercounty level, will know that there's a, a betting in process. If there's a couple of points afterwards. The debrief may not start till the Monday. You were you spoke very well after the game immediately. How do you feel now? Is there any bitterness, sourness there? Are you angry? Myself personally, no. I'm yeah. just looking good at it. Obviously, um, that's nothing compared to what what the players and Desi Farrell and, and the guys directly involved the team is. It's it's an incredibly like you say, it's 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 heartbreaking for those guys. But me as a as a Dublin supporter now, and, and obviously and the fortune and pleasure of playing and with, with those guys for, for, for over 10 years, I'm good. I'm hurt for them because it's, look, it's a huge championship game that, that, that they've fallen just short in. And it does feel like, like the, the end of the road, having seven years since last losing a championship game. Seven years. Like that is, I, I'll go out on a limb here and say, I don't think we'll ever see that again. In Gaelic football, I, I thought it was an incredible run the players, everyone involved in that process over the last number of years has been absolutely outstanding. And the initial reaction at the time, I was, I was good. Of course I was. You know, you, you try yourself and Andy, come on here and be as unbiased as we can. That's that's our role here to, to, to kind of give insight to, to, to our listeners and, and people who tune in. 
But of course, when the final whistle went, I, I was, I was good at it. It was a very sad moment for me and, and it stuck with me. James McCarthy got, got a black card right at the end of extra time and, and at that point, the race was kind of run. You, you knew Mayo were going to win the game and, and he was walking off over to the sideline just underneath us. We were obviously at the top of the Hogan stand and it was just heartbreaking to see because you know how much these guys put in. But, but, but look, I'm sure we'll talk about Dublin, but, but I think you've got to appreciate what Mayo have done and what they achieved. And, and even for me, sitting in, in the stand and the green and red and Mayo was, uh, was belted out around Crow Park, Crow Park. And you could see their supporters, you could see the reaction of the Mayo players. It was a monumental win for James Horn and those guys. And I think that's probably the real story here, as much as, as heartbreaking it is for me and our Dublin supporters, but most importantly for, for the Dublin players, because they've given absolutely everything they possibly could over the last... Um, eight months and they've just come up short and that's not something they're used to and guys are going to be reviewing that over the next not just weeks months you know because as a team they'll, they'll want to bounce back they'll want to learn the lessons from that that's the mark of great champions which they are and which they have been um, and Desi Farrell and the coaches and all the players will look at that and go well how did we lose that game how do we improve that for, for the 2022 20, season but, but it was Mayo's day and it was deservedly um, Mayo's evening on Saturday night yeah, well, the, the winners typically write the script, as you'd know, over the last seven years. And I think a lot of the talk over the last few days, rightfully, has been about Mayo, and it will be over the next couple of weeks. But, like, seven years, 2014 being the last time, the run, the six All-Ireland titles in a row, I'm not sure any of us have really fully appreciated what it is that Dublin have done over that time. For we 10 have, players. We have. <laughs> you have, 100%. 100%. But for 10 of those players, it was their first ever championship defeat. So, Paddy, if, if, if ever a fire needed to be lit in the belly to come back and bounce back, I'm sure we'll see something. We'll see some sort of a response in the next year. Oh, of course you will. That's, that's, like that's elite sport. Um, it was a run like we'd never seen in the history of GAA. It's something, I, like I say, I don't think we'll see again, certainly not anytime soon. But the mark of being great champions and some of the key cornerstones of why they were successful was their, their dedication, their sacrifice, their work rate, their preparation, all the sacrifices that, that they've made. And the Mayo guys will notice that anyone who's played the county football knows what it takes to, to compete at that level, never mind win consistently. So all of those traits are still there within the Dublin team. And, and they'll rely on those over the next, like I say, four or five months. They'll be good at like they, I'm good at so I can only like I say, I can only imagine what, what those players feel. I remember in 2014 the hurt we had, and that was after one all Ireland. We were raining chances that time. So the guys, like I say, lots of guys, it's their first experience of defeat. Some guys have been there, they were there seven years ago. But they'll stick together. Desi Farrell and his coaches and the players, they will stick together. They, they, they'll review it. And they'll be honest with themselves. And that's the only way you're going to get better and the only way you're going to learn from it is review that game, honestly. And I'm sure we'll touch on it now in the next mm. next hour or so where we felt the game was won and lost. But I have no doubt, I know these players, I have the privilege, I had the privilege of playing with them and knowing them as teammates. They will come back. They'll be hurt. But look at what Mayo did and the resilience that they've shown and they got their day. It's not done for them yet. That's the biggest thing I take from Mayo's point of view. They've been in finals before. Yes, it's a huge, huge win for them. I mean, you could see the significance of it, but they've got to go and win the final now. And that's that's what James Horn, Aidan O'Shea, Colin Boyle, I see them on the pitch after. Those experienced players, Lee Keegan, incredible game at, at the weekend. 
you've got to go and win that final from their perspective. For Dublin, they'll review it, they'll learn from it. I've no doubt we'll see them back uh, competing next season to try and re- re- regain their title. Right, Andy, let's get into the match itself. A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, you spoke about what to do when Dublin keep a hold of the ball. What should Mayo do? You even said, should they just lie down and let them take the point, just stop the goal? Can you tell me if James Horan's plan in the first half or Mayo's first half actually worked out the way they wanted to? Or did they just about do enough to stay within reach to be six points down? Horan seemed to set up with Michael Plunkett operating as a sweeper in the first quarter. Mayo's game plan didn't really, you know, attacking game plan didn't really click in the first half. They had four scores from 10 shots. Mm. None of the running game was working. And the Hessian comes on for Darren McHale in the 28 minutes. I'm kind of listing off a couple of moments here. Was there any stage where you were like, we're still in this in that first half? I thought we were in big trouble, if I'm being honest. Um, and I think what kind of we've always done on the pod has been honest. Um, I was hoping, I was I was devastated when I didn't see Oshin Mullins' name on the on the squad the morning of the game. Uh, like, if you think about it, we lose to Dublin last year by five points in the in the All-Ireland final. And our two All-Stars, our Young Player of the Year and our nomination for Football of the Year, both are out before the game. And, and you're just thinking... This could be trouble. It, it, it genuinely could be trouble. And Dublin were outstanding that's the first half. Like, I know some people don't like it, but that is such a hard thing to do, what Dublin were doing. Now, Mio's game plan was quite clear, and I think Kevin McStay said it last night, was that we were trying to protect the D. If you see when Con bet Porrick O'Hore up the line, Jeremy O'Connor is in there, he's protecting some Connors to put it across the bar, put it across the bar with his fist. Mm. So there is a protection of that D that went on, and there's absolutely no doubt Horn was saying no goals, not let them in and away we go. But you can't, I can't just stand here and say it definitely worked because then in the second half, McCarthy bombs through right from the throwing, nearly an identical move from last year from the throwing in the, in, in, in the, in the first half. Should take a point really or go a bit further to the goal and try to flick it across. But he takes no rage, the shot goes wide. And Basquiat gets in, yes, from the, from the John Small incident, which we touch on. He gets in as well. Any of them two goals go in. That's, let's not dress this up. The game is over. And and if Dublin took their chances at the start of that first quarter, or third quarter, the, the first part of the second half, the game might have been out of reach. But Mayo just kept plugging. And you mentioned him. Young Hessian from Gary Moore. We, we were lucky to have him uh, last year for the under-20s. He was with us and he uh, it was a minor captain two or three years ago. Played with us last year with under-20s. and was still under-20 this year, but was, was brought into the senior spot. An exceptional talent. And him coming on was huge. And it was huge for a couple of reasons. One was Paddy Small was playing hell. He was really dominating the game. He had three frees won just before... The, the break and he kicked that point that John flicked back out to him the John Small flicked back out to him ro- he was roasting Owen McLaughlin so there was four points there where he was directly involved in just but Hessian comes on does okay on him does, like, I'm not saying he cleaned him or anything like that but does okay on him but in the next six scores may all, may all get right so we're 9-2 down in the next six scores may all get Hessian is directly involved in five of them he's five scoring inclusions in, in them next. now they're not massive some of them they're just, but it's just getting the ball out of play and getting the ball up the field. And if you think about what we lost with Oshin Mullen, we probably lose our best defender or one of our best three defenders, but we lost that drive coming out of the back. Yeah. And what Hessian gave us, he gave us that drive. An outstanding little player, 
knows like what to do. Like he, he's a really good kick pass, as I said, played centre forward for his minors, but knew that the last day wasn't the day for that. He was just cutting the ground, laying good hand passes off, putting fellas through holes and bringing runners with him. You know, bringing runners with him so that the likes of Owen O'Donoghue had time then to shoot. And it was a really big switch. Obviously, the switch of Aiden. again, we have to be honest, I didn't agree with the switch at the time. I, I wouldn't have done that uh, switch myself. But if you look back now in, uh, in hindsight, it was a good switch by James Horn. I don't think it was that game-defining moment that everyone is on about. Mm. Between the 48th minute when Robbie Henley kicks the free when Aiden goes off and the 62nd minute... Is the 62nd half. Yeah, we only scored one point in that moment in them 12, 13 minutes. So I don't think it was this big change, divining moment of the game, but it, it, it worked out well for James. So let's talk about Aidan O'Shea for a second. Hmm. Marks, marks a long ball. Sorry, he kicks a wide. Marks a long ball and he hits a post. I think that was the loudest cheer we heard from Dublin supporters in the whole game. He, Lee Keegan plays a brilliant ball to him at the start of the second half. He probably could have marked that and he, he he's unlucky. I thought it was still in play, but he carries it over the line. He gives away two hand passes in the second half. He actually, he, I actually felt Aidan O'Shea was quite unlucky, but it wasn't working for him. Now, to me, to my untrained eye, in the middle of all the chaos and thinking of it afterwards, I asked James Horne, I was like, what changed when you brought Aidan O'Shea off? Brian Walsh came in, Michael Plunkett went off and James Carr came in as well. So while I don't think it was game defining and it, and it was... Because Aidan O'Shea come off, they were better. But Mayo's shape changed. Surely something changed there about Mayo. Like James Carr going into full forward line, did it free up O'Donoghue and Connery a little bit more? Like Carr should have had two points. But there was, there was a lot going on at that time too, right? So at 65th minute, Merchant goes off. Huge loss to Dublin. Like absolutely monumental loss to Dublin. Was that injury? Uh, it, was it, it the hamstring catching up on him? Then, then he came off. But I wouldn't have... I'd have Met him standing in the middle of the day. I wouldn't have been taking him off the field. Um, I thought that, I thought that was a bad call by Desi, if I'm being honest. Um, Philly comes on, not much, not like the pace. Obviously, when we get a bit older, kind of leaves you a tiny bit. Um, and when Dublin were there, when Merchant goes off, we've mentioned this in the pot. Dublin have very little gas, so they have fast players, but not really quick lightning players. Like the way Merchant was shaping someone up and going by them was unbelievable to watch that that was down in front of me it was amazing to watch but as soon as he goes off Dublin and no gas so yes it might have helped that James Carr was in there American Sean McMahon or that uh, Tommy Conroy now was running at Philly McMahon but I don't think that this switch that everyone thinks that Aidan O'Shea went off and we all were transformed I don't think that's that's a true reflection of what happened either Paddy we we had a chat um, at half time and the last question I asked you was what give us a bit of hope here what can Mayo do? And you said they need to get the ball. They just haven't had the ball. They need to get the ball. They need to get the running game going because that hasn't got going and they need to click up front. We need to see Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy stand up. It took a while for it all to come together. Yeah, I'll tell you, it was a half time and I was like, this punditry is the easiest thing. We nailed it. I was like, just play last week's pod. Mayo struggled to get scores. None of their six forward scored in the first half. They had two points from play. Both of the midfielders uh, and Loftus and Manny Rowan. Dublin burst out of the blocks. It was their best performance of the, of the year. You could see how clinical they were. I agree with Andy, and I think I tweeted this at the time. It is a unique style of play that we haven't really seen in the GAA before. It's not swashbuckling. It's probably not the most exciting thing for a neutral to watch, but the precision and the challenge to do that and play that style of play 
at that level and that intensity is, requires unbelievable skill, unbelievable buy-in and, and smarts from the players. And Dublin were doing that to a tee. It was 10-4 at halftime. And everything we spoke about on last week's pod was coming true. And it was like, this is, we've nailed it. But to be fair, I'd say five minutes went, were gone in the second half of the 40th minute. And Dublin were really, really sloppy. It wasn't reflected on the scoreboard. They were still uh, six points up at this stage, but Jason Carty obviously has the goal chance straight away from, from the throw-in and it's wide. And okay, that's fine. Over the next five minutes, they kicked the ball away twice. Uh, David Byrne puts one into Kirkland Kenny at 50-50. John Small kicks one out over the sideline for Dean Rock. Kirkland Kenny hand-passed the ball away to Paddy Durkin trying to find Cormac Costello. Dean Rock has a wide himself. And then John Small hand-passes the ball to Davey were on the sideline and he just drops the ball through his legs out for sideline. And even though they were still six points up, you could just see the sense everything that they did so well in the first half had gone out the window in those five minutes. The, the precision that they had, the ruthlessness and efficiency they had was completely gone. And you could just say, in my mind, you look at it, they're not skill errors. The Dublin players have proven time and time again that those skills are second nature to them. It's a mentality and it's a, it's a complacency setting in. And if there's one thing, and Andy's right, Mayo weren't out of reach, but they were right on the edge. They, they were, if you like it to a boxing analogy, they were one punch away from being knocked out and the game was over. And I would go as far as to say, if Dublin convert even one of those chances, obviously if McCarthy scores the goal, even Dean Rock kicks the point, Khan hits the post. Khan hits the post with a hand Any one of them, you just sense Mayo are gone then. They're, they're too far back. They'd be seven, eight points down. But instead, Mayo's energy, you could see it. They were throwing caution to the wind. They, they, they needed to do that. That was the, the first part of golf for them to get back into the game. They could not let Dublin continue to keep the ball in three-minute loops. And I don't care who you are or how talented your team is, if you don't have the ball, you cannot implement any game plan. So, so people are saying Mayo didn't get their running game going. The Mayo forwards didn't click. They simply couldn't in the first half because they just did not have the ball. Right, possession, probably 80%, 20% in favour of Dublin. That's why Dublin used those tactics. People have been obviously giving out about it now when, when Dublin lose a game. It's the first place people will challenge them on. But in that first half, I, I don't agree that James Horne had a master plan that they'd, that they'd accept that halftime score. Dublin were simply overwhelming now. But those errors, and this happened in the Wexford game in the first round of the championship. It happened in the third quarter against Meade. They actually lose the third quarter against Meade in the Leinster semi-final, 1-5 to a point. So, so Meade actually did more damage in that period. By the first water break on Saturday, it was only 3-0 to Mayo in the second half. So even though Dublin were sloppy, Mayo were, were, were quite sloppy in their own possession as well, but they kept in touch. They kept in touch. And if there is one thing, one thing over the last decade, you would never question Mayo and never question James Horne. Is their attitude? Is their energy? Is their fight? That is something, they are a brave team and they always have been. Maybe a time technically in the past or tactically, they may have got things wrong and Dublin got over the line. But as long as they were in with a shout, they were going to keep coming. And Dublin's sloppiness on the ball, and, and I'd have to say probably there was moments when I'm going, that just looks like complacency. Taking too much out of the ball, Davy Byrne, Sean McMahon, John Small, it just looked like they felt that the game was won. 
and may have, were able to just keep in touch. And Andy, you'll know it yourself, but when, when you get into a rut like that, like we've praised Dublin for being able to control momentum of games and their experience down the stretch. They were just in a rut and they were never able to wrestle back that momentum. They lose the second half nine points to three. But you could just see, Tommy, you would have seen from my reaction, 40 minutes on the clock, I have to say, I, I, I was worried because I knew Mayo weren't going to go away. And I could see Dublin had slipped into bad, bad habits in that first five minutes, even though it wasn't truly reflected on the scoreboard. And ultimately, that came home to roost. The turnovers, the sloppiness continued all the way through for the next 50 minutes of play. But just, just on that and to come in, I think the major problem for you, Paddy, in that second half, was was the genuine lack of speed. So when we used to play, right, if, if you had one-on-one with Jack McCaffrey or Jeremy Connolly or um, like Fenton was matched with Matty and, and McCarthy with, with Jeremy, so they were kind of matched toe-to-toe. But when you had, like Paul Flynn, who else am I thinking? Kevin McMenamin. Yeah, Mannion. When you had these guys running at you, like... That was scary. Like, and if you were Jack McCaffrey and you'd you'd merchant, and all of a sudden then James McCarthy looks really quick because but no one no one to threaten them. So if you think about it, right? So at that period, at 45 minutes, it, it the narrative of this story will go, Mio come out in the second half and blitz double. It's not actually true. What yeah, happened? Yeah. Between 35 and 45 minutes, Mio win that period one nil. That's what the one between. So the first ten minutes, one nil is what the score was. Dublin are delighted, but it's like Paddy said, you could see it in our game. It was just building, and it was like, okay, Dublin have no pace here, and it's not that. It's but we have mentioned this with Merchant, and another thing I would say, Paddy has mentioned the third quarter. I remember the quote out of your mouth, Paddy. The only thing Dublin will take out of the league is the third quarter against Kerry. And I said, Do you want a, 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 a screen grab with uh, Tommy after it? Like, and McGalvin, is it? Uh, he, he said, I, yeah. I, th- I think we got a little bit sloppy. We were a little bit slow coming out with the ball. We invited them on, and they took their opportunities really well when, they did, when we did. And that was about Kerry against Dublin and Turles, the game you were at, Paddy, um, a couple of months ago. Now, that could have been written about the game last week or last Saturday night that literally quote could have been quote for quote in that third quarter that could have been the same thing and on it Andy like the, the, Kerry scored seven unanswered points in that period in Turles and you're thinking that hasn't happened to Dublin before hmm. but the experience that they had the know-how the skill levels of the players if a team gets two or three points Dublin can wrestle back momentum it happens in the Leinster semi-final against Mead and you're going well Mead aren't one of the top teams but, the, but they've hurt Dublin here what are the lessons to be learned from it? And, and, and Saturday night was, it just came home to roost again against the higher quality of opposition. And ultimately, it did cost, they nearly got away with it. And, and on your point, Andy, the loss of Merchant or, or, or someone like Jack and, and the ball-carrying ability, it's like a get-out-of-jail card. It is, yeah. If, if your tactics are gone and you've lost the shape of your forward line and you, you can't get the ball up the pitch, above anything else, pace can get you out of trouble. And if you look at the last play, and I'm sure this is going to be a famous play yeah. uh, in GAA, Dublin cannot get the ball out of their 45. And that's where someone like Merton is. Brian Howard receives the ball three times inside the square. And he is looking. He is going, somebody take this ball off me. I don't want this. Mayo are brave, which we knew they are going to be. They are pushed up all over the pitch. They are man, man on man. They are not letting Dublin get free. 
in that situation, you need someone to break the line. Davy Byrne, to be fair, was absolutely shattered. He didn't want he didn't want the ball on the end line. Nobody wants the ball there. No, but Dublin didn't have an option there, and that's where someone like Merchant or the Jack McCaffrey, where it's just raw pace. Everything else has gone out the window. It's chaos. You need to break that line and create an overlap. And Dublin, that's what that's where Merchant was missed in that scenario. Uh, now whether look, he's obviously coming back from injury, and Desi obviously feels whether there was a knock or he was just out on his feet. But that's what Dublin needed at that play. They needed someone to just get the ball up the pitch. And you're right, Andy, without that pace, when Mayer were pushed up all over the pitch, they needed something and they just didn't have it. And they've had it for seven years. That's been, they've been under pressure in games before and they've been able to get out of it. And the clock just ran out from on Saturday night, and that's the that's the big challenge. Can I can I ask can I ask if it's more than pace though? Because there's a book written about Dublin called The Chaos Years by Neil Cotter, and it, it's slightly tangential to the point I'm making here. But the point I'm making is that Dublin have always thrived in chaos. They always have. And you mentioned that 2017 oh. phase of play. <laughs> you, but you mentioned that 2017 phase of play where you, you cornered Dublin and you chased and you harried and Johnny Cooper must have touched the ball 25 times and they just about got away with it. And then we remember the 2019 All-Ireland final where Dublin are down to 14 men. And they're still able to... They, they should have beaten Kerry in the last 10 minutes. They came through those last 10 minutes. And they had players standing up who were going for the ball. In that last phase of pay, play, that infamous last phase of, play, phase of play that's going to go down in history, where the hell were the other 12 Dublin players? Why? It was like a club team where they were inexperienced and they were wilting against the pressure. Why was there nobody standing up saying, give me that ball? Can, can I just challenge on that? I, I, I don't agree with, with the Dublin have always strived in chaos. I, I, I think Dublin have struggled against Mayo in the past because of the chaos Mayo bring to the game. And if you look at the first half, Mayo don't bring that. They're standing off, they're passive in their play, and this Dublin team thrive in control. That's, they play that style of play. They're so good at it. That's why Dublin were thriving. We always felt in our games against Mayo that the more frantic the game got, the more broken it became, the more unstructured it became, that favours Mayo's style of play. That favours their runners. It allows them to get overlaps. And if you look in the last quarter of that game, you start seeing Lee Keegan, and Maddie Ryan come up the pitch. So I don't agree that Dublin have always tried in chaos. Particularly this Dublin team, they want control. Mm. And over the last two years, they've moved away from a swashbuckling and an expansive style of play to play a more controlled game. It, that's so drilled into the team. That's the preparation and the coaching that's there. When that started to fail them, they couldn't, they couldn't turn the tide. So, so for Dublin against Mayo, and in the first half, particularly on Saturday night, Dublin wanted control, not chaos. And the more chaotic and frantic that game became, that favours this Mayo team. That is their, their strength, their speed, their energy, their fight, their runners from deep. All of that started coming into play and Dublin didn't have the answer for it. So that was my response to that. And if, if you're playing 15 on 15, Johnny Cooper was amazing the first 25 minutes. That's Brilliant, the first yeah. 30 minutes. He controlled the game, amazing. All of a sudden he gets injured or the legs, he, he basically got 45, 50 minutes in him. When he goes off, it's a massive loss for Dublin, like huge loss. But if you have pace, Tommy, in that situation, right, and you have pace, you have, if I'm marking someone, I have to mark him one and a half men. Because I have to watch him. But if you have a Jack McCaffrey here, you've got to help your buddy out because he could just run out by your man and then you have to go after him. Do you know what I mean? So remember I was on about Davy Byrne and the Fiesta story. If I was yeah. like He literally runs up the middle of the field and we have no one to catch him because we're trying to press Dublin. But then if he beats one fella on the press, then he's Excellent. straight through the middle. But Dublin just didn't have any on. Now on that play, Evan Comfort, I'd have no fault of what he did. 
Brian Howard, no fault what he did. David Byrne, no fault what he did because they had the bravery to go and get the ball. Like, I, I kind of half agree with you, Tommy. I'm like, where is, why is Kilkenny up the field? Now, Kilkenny had two turnovers in around the 68, 67, 68 minutes. Remember, he tried to kick it into Condon, put it outside him. Yeah. And then he, he had a bad hand pass down behind the line. So maybe his head was just jittery for a few minutes. But I was just waiting for him to come down and get the ball. Never came near it. McCarthy tries to make a run to the left. Fenton, after a monumental battle between himself and Matty Rowan, probably didn't have it in the legs. So the three boys were left isolated. The one big play in it for us is Conor O'Shea. Another yes. guy who has struggled over the last couple of years in and out of the squad, gets brought on, probably doesn't know if he was expected to come on or not. And Howard does his famous step on O'Shea. And O'Shea doesn't fall for it. For the first time in the second half, He do, no one falls for the step. And then Howard is left. And now Conor is in the momentum and he's pushing and goes back to comfort, back to Davy Byrne. Conor O'Shea gets him out across the line. And that score never happens because of that. But again, you can all put that back to pace. If you have a merchant there, merchant goes and he runs out wrong fellas, and then all of a sudden they're up the pitch 40, 50 yards. So yes, I do have a massive thing with pace. And then on the substitutions, uh, um, they on. The likes of, who would finish on the pitch? Tom Lehiff, Sean McMahon, Aaron Byrne, Khan, Baskell, uh, Merchant, Paddy Small. Right? A funny thing happened in that game the last time. In 2016, Mayo bet Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final in the under-21, right? Flanked with Matty Ruan, Jeremy O'Connor, Connor Loftus, Michael Plunkett, all these guys. They, they bet Dublin in the semi-final, right? James Carr, all these guys. And on that team for Dublin was Lehith, McMahon, Byrne, Khan, uh, Baskell, Merchant, Paddy Small. So all of a sudden, you had it, like, where my team didn't have that winning mentality against the Paddies. They knew how to beat. All of a sudden, you had these two teams coming together from 16. And for once in the last 10 years, we had fellas on the pitch who had actually bet a Dublin team. And I, I just think psychologically, subconsciously in, in the moment, you can think, you see a, a Lehif who's a right good player. I'm not criticising him. But all of a sudden, Jeremy Connor sees him and says, right, subconsciously, you think, I bet him before. I can go after him. I know his weaknesses. I've studied him since he was 18, 19, 20 years of age. And then all of a sudden, it, it gives you a bit of momentum. And I think that was a... When you look at the finishing teams at the end of it, yeah. Where we was used it... to finish against Kevin McMenamum, yeah. Paul Mannion, Jeremy Conley, Cormac Costco, even the likes of Paddy at times coming on, Ono Garrett, these guys. That quality simply wasn't there at the end. That's, that's, Andy, if you look at it, um, it's been it's probably been the main theme about Dublin over the entire championship. People are asking about the squad depth and, and losing those players from their prime. Where the younger guys of the same quality, where they have the same experience. Obviously, they're not of the same experience, but how would they deal with it in the biggest pressure? You're not going to answer those questions in the Leinster Championship. And he couldn't. I was defending. I said, look, I know there's quality players there, but you're only going to get a true reflection in a white-hot atmosphere in the biggest games in the Championship. And if you look at, at those last periods, and people have been challenging the Dublin bench and saying they're not scoring as much as their predecessors. I don't look at that as a true reflection of, of the impact the bench can make. I look at it in terms of their decision-making, mm. their composure on the ball. Can they control the game? It's not all about the bench coming on and scoring 10 points or scoring 1-6. You, you know, an impact from the bench for guys like Tom Lehiff and, and Sean McMahon and Bogler uh, and Conor Baskell is in that period, five minutes from the stretch, Dublin are under pressure. Can they get on the ball? Can they link the play? Can they keep possession? Yeah. And, and that's the play I'm looking at 
I'd say Kieran Kilkenny is absolutely shattered. Fenton is absolutely shattered in that last play. McCarthy's on his last legs there. He, he, you can see it. They just put 77 minutes in a, the most intense game you're going to get against Mayo. That's where I'm looking for. Great point. The, the bench guys. Because the bench was. That's where I'm looking for Lahif and, 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 and Bogler and, and Colin Basquiat and these guys. It's not can they score 10 points off the bench. It's can they come and get the ball there and can they keep it. And Paddy, are you brave? Are you brave? Exactly. And that's, they don't have the experience of doing that. And if you look at some of the turnovers, particularly in extra time. Yeah. Lahif takes a shot and he's being hung out of and he can probably just go down and get a free but he tries to swing the boot at it and he misses. Robbie McDade is coming through. Dublin are under pressure and he hand passes the ball to Colin Basquale who's not even looking at him and it's a turnover. Dublin get the ball back and they get a free and Aaron Byrne steps up and, and launches a 60-yard kick pass in. That, that's not like Dublin talk about. I know people used to laugh when Dublin used to talk about the process and sticking to the process and Jim Gavin. It was true, lads. Like people think you're talking out your arse and saying that, but knowing what to do under, in, under the most pressure and the intense yeah. atmosphere, those younger players, they haven't had an experience of doing that. And that's the big impact that they're talking about off the bench. Can someone come and get the ball off Brian Howard there and just move simply, get free, get the ball, go by your man or pop another 20-yard kick pass on the moon. That's an impact off the bench. It's not all about kicking 10 points. And Dublin did not have that. They didn't have it. And we, think- we didn't know. We were speculating in advance of the game because you can only get a true reflection in the biggest games under the most intense uh, pressure. And they didn't have the answers on Saturday night. And and they'll have to go away and learn from it. They'll have to go and learn from it. They're, they're good players. They're quality players. But they will take huge learning from that. And that's what they're going to have to try and bring next season because they didn't have the answers on Saturday night. I, I think that's... And that was the worry. I think that's a really, really, really strong point because the bench on the scoreboard was Mayo two points, Dublin one point. Bugler gets the first score of extra time. But as you're saying there, uh, it's not clear. Tommy, I think it's too easy of to look at a bench impact purely 100%. from a scoring perspective. But it, it's all over the pitch. What positive impact can you have on the team? And at that point, Dublin didn't need scores. They just needed possession and they needed composition. And they, yeah. didn't, they couldn't do it. Mayo, and prefer to Mayo, like... We'll talk about Ryan O'Donoghue. The turnovers that man gets. Unbelievable. <laughs> he goes after Davey Byrne. And it's like, again, it's easy to look at Ryan O'Donoghue and go, well, he hasn't scored 10 points from play. But what an impact on the game. Uh, young O'Shea. Okay, he doesn't kick scores. James Carr has two terrible misses. Yeah. But they make a huge impact on the game, even though it's not directly reflected on the screen. Great point on that, Tommy, where Paddy's on about it. Is, and I didn't think about this. But if you think about it, right, David Byrne catches an unbelievable kick out that last play from Evan Comerford, right? You've James Carr chasing down David Byrne. 100%. And you've Connor Shea in on top of, think, two boys that played 70 minutes and our two fellas are as fresh as daisies. That, them, so it's a difficult one. You know? that, that, that element of maybe questioning the bravery is the wrong thing because it's a split second in a match in an intercounty game. Um, maybe it was the, the wrong way to go about it but there was such a fearlessness about that the Mayo team that ended that game you mentioned the youth there you mentioned they had it in the bones that they'd beaten that Dublin team at under 21 level and, and perhaps there, were, there weren't too many scars on the field saying we've been here before like James Carr as you said Paddy he kicked two bad whites let's call it a spade a spade but man that boy chased down Dublin players he chased down lost causes Conor O'Shea the same Hessian's impact is unbelievable and then as you mentioned Ryan O'Donoghue like one of the most important chases in that game, one of the most important plays is O'Donoghue forcing 
Byrne to overcarry. And I think it leads to yeah. Henley's free that yeah. drops short. And that iconic image of Jeremy O'Connor stretching, stretching every sinew of his being to just get a foot. Now, I think Fenton's there putting the body... Marco Van Basten, what a volley. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it comes to Kevin McLaughlin. And like, McLaughlin had a bad wide when the momentum was with Mayo earlier in the game with the outside of his left. And you'd have backed him on the outside of the left every day of the week. And he nails it. He absolutely but, nails but it. But the key thing about that is that's 62 minutes, lads. It's 12... Set. I think Eamon McGee tweeted during the week. Yeah. Goes, I was at Donegal Club. club <laughs> Went to penalties, by the way, that game. Yeah, and he goes, it's 12-7 here at 62 minutes. He goes, did I miss something or did something... Like, it was just so un-Dublin. Um, it was very un-Dublin. And I'd say an awful lot of great teams, both club and county teams, that have came that have seen an ending, like that have lost after a long time, have probably went through the exact same thing as what Dublin, and they'll look back in a couple of years and they'll go, um, how do we lose that? But from a Mio perspective, to see uh, young guys um, really kind of just go after something, it, it's just, it, it's brilliant for us. And it's, um, and I think it'd be, it'd be not right if we went through it and we didn't mention James Horn And, yeah. Joe, like even that 20s team that I was involved in last year, he brings in seven. Um, there's so many youthful fellas around the place. In his seventh season, I've mentioned this before, he's now in his um, fourth All-Ireland final, has made a semi-final every other year and has won a National League along the way. So, listen, that's an incredible, incredible, incredible achievement. And I, I, I don't think we've totally planned the last day. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> no, what but he you... reacted though. He reacted, Andy, he, because he, like, he, like, he, like... I just say on it, Andy, yeah. we touched on this after the Connacht final and the turnaround against Galway. And I have to say, James Horan, I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And if they don't win this game in, in a month's time, I can see the headlines. It'll be Mayo fall again at the final hurdle and, and it's a stick to beat them with. James Horan has turned over a huge amount in that Mayo dressing room. He's brought through the young guys. He's had the balls to bring through those young guys. And they are a team in transition and they're in back-to-back All-Ireland finals. It's incredible. And, and people focus a lot on the negatives about Mayo of not getting over the line. But what James Horn has done is absolutely incredible. And Saturday was a vindication of him and his approach to, to play. If you looked at, and, and if you're a Mayo fan, pulling your hair out saying, why don't we just play a blanket defence against Dublin. We tried everything else and we haven't got over the line. But he stuck to his principles because he believes in the players and he believes in that game plan. And Andy, you touched on something there. It was so un-Dublin-like, that second half, but it was so male-like. It was, <laughs> it was, it, it was the most male. That they, were, <laughs> they were poor at times with their shooting, which they have a tendency to be. Yeah. They kicked the ball away at times, which they have a tendency to do. But their attitude, their bravery, their energy was Mayo at their peak. And, and you're talking about bravery. Yeah. And I said all along, you've asked me, how do you go about beating Dublin? And I don't want, I don't want Dublin to lose. I, I absolutely don't. Yeah. But I always said one of the first parts of call is if you're going to beat Dublin, you have to be brave. And that's why at 40 minutes, when Dublin were sloppy in possession and they were starting to lose momentum, even though they were still six points up, I was worried. Because if there's one team that's going to keep coming, and if there's one team who I would say is the bravest out there, it's that Mayo team. And Dermot O'Connor's, I'm not surprised by it. Yes. I'm not surprised by it because they've done it for 10 years. They haven't got the rewards, but they have an opportunity. Saturday was a vindication of that. It was a vindication of James Horan. 
And it was their time on Saturday night. It was. And, and as hard as that is for, for, for me and for, for the Dublin players and, and, and that perspective, Mayo deserved to win that game. 9-3 second half, 4-1 extra time. They had the energy, they had the bravery and, and, and they got over the line. Uh, the thing, I, like, I, I sat beside two or three um, Dublin guys beside me and bright, bright fans. There was this older guy there who was in his 80s and gentlemen, we shook hands after the game and wished us all the best and it was lovely actually, to be honest, but they were worried. They were worried coming into the game. Like, there's no dressing up. And when I got hope, like, there was something in my gut that said, we have a chance. Like, every time I went logistically and I looked at the stats and I did all that, I was... So last Monday, once the pod was over, I never looked at another stat. One of my mates was over last and we went through every reason why my own won't win the game. At the end of it, we just go, we just, go, why? We just, we just felt we had something. And we were on the way up to Crow Park on Saturday and there was a really good chat on, uh, on Off The Ball um, on News Talk with Enda McGinley, Dennis Bastic and Cora Staunton. And Bastic was, you could, Bastic was, he, he was worried, like he, he genuinely was and he was, he was just like, there, there's so, like, basically the, the way the chat went is, was if Dublin went out and hammered Mayo the last day, it'd have been like, I, they were just waiting for the semi-final and big team coming to town and away we go. And if, it, they didn't win, they were saying, you could see this coming. And there was a bit of that in it. There was a bit all through the chat. McGinley and Bastic were saying, this could, like, they're, they're, Dublin aren't the team, the pace aren't there. And it wasn't that they were saying it in a bad way because they could also see the other side of it. But the war, there was that tinge of worry. And the Dublin supporters I sat down beside, there was that tinge of worry. And even at half time, the, like, there was a fella giving us abuse up the, up the back end. And they were like, oh, you stop. Because you could. They, they, were, they were saying it, was, they were just going, no, this is not over. We've kind of seen the third quarter and they mentioned the third quarter. And it was just, you, you, they, they could sense it. And Dublin folk, when it comes to Gaelic football, are intelligent folk as well. And they, they'd seen the team playing against me, the Kildare and Wexford and the Kerry game we'd mentioned. And they could see that there might have been a bit of issue. Even when they'd done a goal well bet in the, in the semi-final of the league, they let them back with the last minute goal and stuff. And there was things happening that hadn't happened before. And so they could sense it. And... Would I say Desi Farrell's tactics damaged Dublin? I wouldn't because in the first half, he put them into a position with what, the way they played and had them at a 10-4. It was then the players to go and win it and the, the chance to go and win it. They didn't. And they all, thank God for them in the championship. Thank God for them in football. Um, very proud of my own man, as I said, but I was just, uh, I was thrilled that they went and just executed what they did. And there was just a couple of guys there. You're on about ghosts. Darren Cohn, Robbie Henley. Yeah. Lee Keegan, it was just, it was, it was beautiful to watch. Can, can we talk about a couple of Mayo players for a few minutes? Um, so James Horn, you, you gave him kudos there for some of the changes that he made and spoke about his, his influence as a manager. Kieran Kilkenny had three points on Lee Keegan in the first half. And Padre Gohora switched on to him at the start of the second half. And immediately he gets a turnover when Byrne gives him that pass. He gets, he's one of, there's two man of the matches award given at the end. There's Padre Gohora <laughs> and Lee Keegan gets the Sky Sports they, Award. They need to ditch that. Well, I, uh, one yeah. man of the match, come I, on. And I actually think it could have been somebody else who's a man of the match. But <laughs> I think there was a moment in that game, it was bizarre. Right before the water break, Niall Scully has the ball on the sideline and Paddy Dublin had kept the ball. And maybe yep. this was just, maybe this was just, things were falling apart a little bit. Scully plays the least Scully-like ball we've seen. He slices it, and it leads to Lee Keegan point, an inspirational yeah. point from Lee Keegan. That that just felt like the moment. And, and even at that stage, Dublin come out after the water break and get the next two points. 
Can we talk about Padraig O'Hara for a moment before we talk about Lee Keegan? Who is Padraig O'Hara, right? Because <laughs> he's Swanee. He's from he's from Ballina. He um, like people think Padraig is young. Like Padraig is a family. He's a, he's a family man. He was in the show and RT there last year. Um, and he, he's an MMA fighter, you know. And he's um, he's just he's like from what I've heard, I, I had no time with him in the squad. Uh, I was gone by the time he came in, and he's just supposed to be an, an unbelievable. Um, squad member, um, teammate, and he's a top, top guy. I know, I know the guys well from Ballinas, Steve Knights, and they just they, they love him uh, around the place. And he's just uh, he's one of those. He's one of the good ones. And I think his 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 speech after the game when he was accepted as man of the match, I kind of probably he if a man could have spoke for the county, I think I think he spoke very well for us. Um, but yeah, his nickname is Swanee, and he's uh, he's a character. Interesting about that MMA move. I didn't know that when we were talking about Shane Walsh a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't mention that to you at the time, see? Okay, <laughs> hey, look at this tactics. Look at this tactics. Look early in the morning, the Cassio Andy. Can, yeah. we, can we talk about Robbie Henley? Um, I had the pleasure of being in college with Rob, so I know how sound of a fella he is. I know how good of a goalkeeper he is. But he, he's had a tough time over the years, whether it be the penalty that Paddy Andrews died for, I'm only joking, the Paddy Andrews won in 2016, the black cards. I would have uh, taken the goal myself instead I, of the penalty. I know you would have. This, this serious amount of pressure that was on him at different stages. Eamon Fitzmaurice was writing today in his column about a moment in the 2014 All-Ireland Final replay where Robbie Henley had a free from 65 yards. He's right behind Henley as he takes it. It's in the air, it's between the posts, it's going over the black spot and it drops short. Yeah, I won the break. The ref blew it up. We would say nothing about that. But there they, you go. They, talk to me about Robbie Henley and what that meant. That like Jesus, he gets a second bite of the cherry as well. I I still don't know what Conor Lane did there. I, I've come up with three different reasons. Thank, I don't know. Yeah, he did. He did. He deserved a bit of luck, and I, I'd say Dublin are wondering why we got the second chance at it. But did the Robbie? I, I could honestly say is probably the the best teammate I've ever had in in my whole career. Like he 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 carries he carries the dressing room. He, he he really is a special human being, and it's like for him to, I suppose, go through what he's went through for the last couple of years has been exceptionally tough for us as a group because he means so much to the group, you know. And um, yeah, there was a picture with himself and his mum, dad, and Oral after the game. It was just, I was beautiful. I'm nearly getting emotional there talking about it because he's such he's such a good guy, and I, I I know I got caught badly jumping up and down like a fool in the stand. <laughs> some of that was for me, oh. But some of that was for Robbie. And it was just, a, it was a great moment. Yeah, 100%. And you can tell, you can tell how much it means and how much it meant after the game as well. Oh, like, I just thought I was in college as well. I know, like, say, I was the beneficiary or we were the beneficiary of a, of a high profile error for him. And you can only imagine how difficult that is. You know, losing big championship games or when you feel you haven't doing your job or something's going wrong for you, that is an incredibly difficult thing to do for, for, for any player. And Like they were, they kicked three massive, massive points under the biggest pressure. And like I said, it hasn't always been sunshine and roses for, for, for Abby Henley coming through or for a lot of these male guys. And that's why, for, for me, standing there watching the game and, and reflecting on it now, you have, I always touched on it last week as, 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 as feisty as these games got, there was always a respect there because you know what those guys are putting in and putting their shoulders to the wheel and no more so than Robbie Henley. So, look, it was a brilliant moment. Um, and like I say, it's just, it nearly felt like it was written that that script. Some of the plays, some of the moments, like I say, Dermot O'Connor's play, Robbie Henley kicking the scores, Lee Keegan 
coming out with a performance like that when people are saying oh, is he, he's not as good as he used to be. This, like, that, in that. extra time, lads, Lee Keegan's performance was even better than he Spectacular, had yeah, spectacular. And, and that's, that's you've got to hold your head after them. I know, I know the Dublin players and I know the Dublin coaches and supporters. They'll be hurting about it. Of course they will, but you've got to respect what, what Mayo brought on, on Saturday night. And for guys like that, for Robbie and, and Lee and, and guys like that, it, it is a special night from but there's one more game to go. Yeah. It's got to count for something. They're going to be up, they're going to be underdogs, whoever they play in the final, whether Tyrone cause an upset and take Kerry out or whether it's Kerry kind of march on like they have been. Mayor, we're going to need all of that in abundance uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But, but for Saturday night, it, it was a special night for them. It was it was 14 all, lads. It was 14 all. Um, and we're kicking away from the hill and Robbie Henley's a kick out and he drills one down the middle to Jordan Flynn. Which gives would we go and make it fifteen fourteen? Mm. Like everyone will go on about his kick that equalised the game. That kick out, guys, is absolutely amazing. We win the kick, we're straight up the field, and it's gone down through the middle but, channel. Paddy. I couldn't understand how Flynn was on his own. He's on his own isn't in the it, middle. Isn't it? How, Howard's, Howard's coming from behind him, and yeah. I'm thinking that is a ballsy kick. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think Howard's going to get there because it hangs in the air. Even though he drills it, there was obviously a bit of a breeze there inside, and it's hanging. And I'm going if Howard wins that. It's a huge play, but that, that's the pressure goalkeepers are under. That's what we talk about. Every kick, particularly at that stage of the game, matters. But to have the stones to go and take it on and to execute it under pressure, look, phenomenal. Phenomenal. And you should get the credit because... I thought, I thought he was the man of the match. I have him. I thought so too. Three, three man of the matches. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, well, no, I have one more shout. I have one more male man I want to get oh, into. Oh, sorry, four man of the match. It's, it's small was brilliant for Dublin. He was, he was unbelievable. Amazing. And I, I thought his point would Kenny give it to him this, in the second half to get you. Brilliant. Oh. And I thought we're, that kind of settled nerves a bit, but... And Rock's free. Rock's free was just like you're like Killian. Of course, it was the exact same kick as Killian. Brilliant yeah, kick. brilliant kick. Lads, if you could ride it, like even uh, off the back could... of the the hour and a half that we've done the previous yeah. week of all the rivalry, it was just it couldn't have been written. I have one Rock more player. His, his, his selection too. I thought he was excellent. That was brilliant. Yeah. One more player I'd like to talk about, and he's a, he's a, he's a young lad with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. There's a there's a big name about him. He had a tough time in the All-Ireland final last year. He got whipped early on. Didn't really get into the game. All the talk this week was if, if Mayo were going to win, Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy needed to stand up. Tommy, Cole, Tommy Golds is the nickname, but forget about that, lads. 69 minutes into the game, this fella still hasn't scored. And, and like, James Horan's a ruthless manager. Like, he easily could have taken off Tommy Conroy. Like, not, not that he had had a bad game, but it just hadn't happened for him yet. Boy. Did that man stand up after that? But he could have been Tommy. Like football is a real funny game. It, it, like it really is, right? So he's to tip off Darren McHale early. There's two reasons why Darren McHale gets taken off. One because we're struggling up top, but Owen is getting a bit of a doing off of Paddy Small. Yeah. So he has to get Hessian on there, and you don't really want to take off Owen McLaughlin because he's so much legs. So you have to leave him on. So then Darren McHale is the one that kept whipped. So that's one gone, uh, and Tommy stays on. Aiden obviously was a big call. And he was in a boot all week injured. So was he? Maybe only at 45, 50. Yeah. O'Shea was, O'Shea was in a boot. For, for, I think it was some problem with his foot or something all week. But we, we knew it down here and we knew he was going to play. So we didn't think it was a big he, issue. You so, didn't let that out. So, so, so he's, Jesus, I thought we're all being honest here, Andy. Jesus Christ. And then, then he, um, he, he, he pulls him. So then all of a sudden you're down to Joe. He can't really pull Tommy then. So maybe Tommy would have been taken. But the we. Points are unbelievable. We have literally went on about Merchant. 
Now we went on about Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion and the guys that offer pace. And in that moment, Tommy Conroy is no longer in the corner forward. He's back on his half-back line. He's probably playing a 10-12 position. And he is just running at the guys. And to, like Paddy, that, that, that was, remember Cormac Costa coming on a couple of years ago? Yeah. Four, four or five four, points. Three points. It was nearly like looking at a Cormac Costa three, three or four years ago. And he was just sensational in them few minutes. And I, I like, I, I think Paddy said it to quote, like sometimes in big games, young fellas need to stand up and just yeah. make America. Maybe that happens. And I thought both lads, I thought Merchant Dunhill battle was the best battle on the field. By a mile, I could watch them two boys play football. If you gave me twenty-four hours with a popcorn, I'd sit there watching them for the whole day. They're brilliant players, the two of them. But Conroy's uh, athleticism near the end of that game simply wins the game for me. If I'm being honest, that that's what it wins three points. Yeah, it wins the game for me. Well, the first uh, two points. Like, like, Tommy, Tommy, we touched on last week, and again, like I said, halftime, everything we'd said was I, I was vindicated. That the two boys were struggling. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Like Merchant was, was winning that battle with a Donahue. Mayo hadn't scored. None of their six forwards had scored from play. And I think that's the most impressive thing. They still have the, like I say, the balls, the mentality, the confidence to take it on. Because you, if you're not playing well and you feel like your man is getting the better of you, you hesitate. You don't take that shot on because you think uh, you're, you're waiting, you're taking extra touch on the ball because your confidence can be low. But Tommy Conroy, to be fair to him, he goes out and kicks three massive points, and that, that like I have to, that's an unbelievable mentality. More so than okay, the technical ability to go and do them, that the athleticism, mm. the physicality he has to be able to still be sprinting at, at 80, 85, 90 minutes. I think the mentality is hugely impressive from a young player because experienced players can lose confidence if it's not happening from the pitch, yeah. and he could have been taken off. But for a young guy, he just kept going, and, and like I say, O'Donoghue. Well, not maybe he kicks a couple of scores, but not maybe as, as headline grabbing as, as what, what Conroy did. I thought his work rate oh, was, was a leader. Was he was a leader. Phenomenal. The turnover he gets yeah. on David Byrne. I think they got a turnover on McCarthy as well for hand pass from Sean McMahon. The two boys, and you know what? You're talking about young guys coming in and standing up and announcing themselves. The confidence that will give both of those players going into an all Ireland final in, in what is it, four weeks time or three weeks time now. It is huge. That is a massive, massive plus for James Horn. A massive respect, like I say, for two younger, inexperienced players to fight against the tide when it wasn't happening for them and still deliver. Look, like they were they were the key. They were the absolute key in winning that game for me when it was in the melting pot. Uh, and the last question on Tommy Conroy. You've been watching him from the outside, let's say since last December. He was possibly bullied out of that game last year or, or maybe it just didn't happen for him. The two points, technically, the first two points, they're monstrous scores. He baits those balls over the bar. Like, he absolutely batters them but over the ball. So many but the third... Remember we were saying last week about the 17 final? There's so many old scores, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But the third point, like, he, he's, he's doing what no other player really can do at that time in the game. He's breaking through three tackles. Physically, like, you've spoken about it before, and Paddy, you've spoken about it. The importance of playing Division One football, coming up against it, feeling how far you're off it, going away for six months, doing that work in the gym. We've seen him with Sean O'Shea, a man who's really kind of become a man on a football pitch. Nobody can physically out-muscle Sean O'Shea anymore. Possibly in 2019, you could. Tommy Conroy has developed physically. Is that something you've seen over the last six months? Oh, 100%. And, like... 
this is, like people like say, oh, the, the All Ireland last year and it's another All Ireland final loss from now. It's not. It's it, like last year was a standard. If you lose in a Connacht final last year, then all of a sudden your standard is to go and win Connacht. If you lose in All Ireland final, they all they seen from last December till now is how do we beat Dublin? Where do we get better? We've seen them doing the running in Leitrim again uh, after the Leitrim game, Tommy. They were like. Absolutely, they were looking towards the semi-final and final of that game, getting to Crow Park. And um, and that's why it was so important last year. It, it gives you the standard. We've talked about it about Mead. We've talked about it about Kildare, the Armaz, the Monans. They That's the standard you need to get to. And then it's up to you to go and get it. And like, look at the muscle he's put on. I, I think there was kind of stories about Khan a couple of years ago when he put on the muscle. Um, like Tommy Conroy, like even when he punches there after that point, um, Joe, that that'd be the profile pick from now on. I think you know the guns are out. Yeah, the guns are out, and like just huge. Like even Ryan Dunner, who who's a, who's a smaller stature guy, has done huge, huge amount of work. But these boys are just kind of driving each other on. And um, when you see an older statesman like Lee Keegan playing the way he did, it, it just gives them more motivation because it, it gives them more. It, it shows them more longevity in their career, and, and they'll keep building on that. But before we move on from the players, I have to give someone. Um, I thought Stephen Cohen, lads, the last day. Um, he's not fifth man in the match, so Paddy, you're smirking there to yourself. Yeah, no, I thought... I don't worry, Paddy, we're coming back to Dublin, don't worry. No, I thought, I thought, I thought his, his performance, take, like that one where you're taking the ball with your back to everybody. You're running into the keeper, he's giving you that short ball, and every time he was providing that, like, I, like for, for the free kick, Robbie's last 45, he was the man off. I was screaming, I was like, why are we taking Stephen Cohen up? You know, I thought he was excellent. He was back on then for extra time again. I don't know what happened in that in that section, but it was... Um, I can't make sense of any of the subs anywhere. No, I've read three papers today. Yeah. Nobody has a clue what went no, on. No. I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was... I thought, he, I thought he was kind of... I thought he was excellent and he, he's... He, he's I, would have, I, I kind of sort of missed that, I suppose, in the chaos, how important Stephen Cohen is. Is that sort of what the kind of the role that Tom Parsons would have played, always being that man available to receive that ball? Ah, it is, yeah. And it'd be... Tom, when Tom finished up playing for me, oh, they'd have been in around the similar personalities at that stage. Um, okay. When Tom was younger, he was a bit more flighty, but when he matured, he just he got into that role. But Cohen has had this since he was, geez, yeah. 17, 18 years of age coming into the squad. You know, he's always been kind of a leader of the group. And I know Matty and Jeremy, and Connor Loftus and all them guys, they trust him. And um, I just, I, I thought that diamond is key, but he's key to kind of everything we do well. We're, we're just over an hour into episode 15 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. We're going to be talking about Kerry and Tyrone in a few minutes. They're, I put up an Instagram story on the Football Pod, at footballpod underscore GA, about two hours ago. And there's about 80 questions in, lads. So we're going to have to throw <laughs> a few in. We'll get a word in on Offley before we finish. And maybe the Mead ladies come back. <sighs> Paddy, um, you put a ban on me mentioned Mead a couple of weeks ago and I've come back yes. with it. So I'm not going to say this is the last time we're going to talk about Dublin <laughs> this year in the football pod, but you, you spoke about complacency there a few minutes ago and we didn't come back to it. We, we highlighted loads of moments. You, you picked them out yourself. The individual errors will say, has it, I can imagine it's been tough for you this year watching Dublin in, in, in ways. Like I've been sitting beside you in Crow Park prodding you saying, are you seeing this? Are you seeing that? You've seen smirks in my face. I've been asking you questions here. You've you've answered everything honestly throughout, but you've been resolute in your belief that, and, and we've made the point that when Dublin's 15 is named, there's so many All-Ireland medals there. There's so many all-time greats in that pitch. 
they still have players in the prime of their careers and Conor Callaghan, Brian Fenton, Kieran Kilkenny, just to name three. But all year long, you had the COVID training breach earlier in the year. You had the captain, Stephen Cluxon, stepping back from the panel. You had Eric Lowndes walking away from the panel. Keno Sullivan's retirement from injury. I made the number 80 All-Ireland medals and I kept saying it and I, I keep going on about it. 80 All-Ireland medals even the dressing room. But even, even, even on from that, you said it before in this podcast and I kind of was looking at myself when you said it. You said that nobody ever missed training for Dublin. Maybe Jack Mack the odd time. But nobody ever missed training when you were going for those six in a row. And for personal reasons, Philly McMahon was in Greece with the Bohemian squad because life has gone on and as part of his job, he was there. Kevin McMiniman has an incredibly important role in the Irish boxing team. And he was gone over to Tokyo for a number of weeks. That squad has suffered a lot of disarray throughout this year. And I asked Desi Farrell at the end of the post-match chat that I had with him this year, has he himself found it tough personally? He said it didn't. But have you found it tough watching Dublin this year? Um, to be honest, not, not really, no. Like I, from, from my own point of view, in terms of missing playing, I don't. Uh, like, like I touched on this. And Andy knows, as a player, you know when you're finished. I would have been no use to that team on, on Saturday night. They're looking for legs. They're looking for things. That's something that I don't have. So, so I, I don't miss it in that regard. Watching the team, I just had total confidence in, confidence in them. And you have to remember, Dublin won the National League jointly with Kerry. Dublin won the Leinster Championship by eight, ten points in these games. So I had confidence because I know the players and I know the work that goes in and I know the attitude of those guys. It's hard now that they've been beaten, of course it is. And for me, my role, doing a bit of media stuff now, that's part of it. You have to answer the questions like, like Stephen walking away or guys retiring or, or things like that. That's just part of... of Give an honest, your honest opinion. That's what me and Andrew are being asked to do. I find it hard now that they've been beaten, of course, because it's it's sad. I care as much about that team as any of the supporters and things like that. It's been a challenging year. Of course it has. But if you want to win the All-Ireland, you have to overcome challenges. Like, like it wasn't all sunshine and roses when we won six in a row either. Like, Dublin had, like I say, remembering, I think it was 2016, two of our All-Star defenders left the panel in, in Rory O'Carroll and Jack McCaffrey. We had Dermot Connolly stepping away from the panel he's one of our most high profile players we've had injuries we've had suspensions we've had Bernard Brogan and these guys icons of WGA retiring Paul Flynn so Dublin have been down this road before so they've managed to overcome it it wasn't easy to win six All-Irelands in a row and, and for, for Desi I'm sure it has been challenging and for the players it has been challenging but that's what it takes to win the All-Ireland and they will be hurting there's no two ways about it they're going to have to go away now and go look what, where did we lose this game against Mayo? Or what, what areas can we improve on this season? If it's a case, will there be a couple of guys that might walk away from the panel? Like I say, that's a very personal decision for any player. And I'm sure guys will review that themselves over the next few months. That's not for, for me or anyone in the media or anyone outside the camp to do. Those players have the right to decide themselves. And I'm sure that guys will, will look at that themselves. For Desi as a coach, they look and say, okay, address the, the, the bench issue and, and you look at what Andy's saying the improvement that Tommy Conroy and Ryan have done and those guys from learning from defeats of last year that's what the Dublin players are going to have to do the Colin Bascales he comes on and gets a black card that's inexperienced Sean Bugger Tom Lahiff all of these guys are relatively inexperienced at this level so they will have to learn the lessons from that defeat the, the more experienced players what can they do how can they improve themselves how can they push on again because that's what it's about 
it's not easy to win all Ireland titles. No. Andy knows it. Have a knock it over the line. I, I know it. I've been fortunate enough to get over the line. There are setbacks, there are bumps along the way, and the measure of a true, true team and true champions are being able to overcome that and deal with that. And that's it is hard for me looking at it now. And and Desi will go away and say, Okay, do we need another string to our ball? Is this keep ball possession game? Is that enough? Can we improve on that? Can we, you know, can we add another layer to our attack? Because that was an issue. They didn't score a goal on Saturday night. They didn't score a goal in the Leinster final. I think they've only scored two goals in the whole championship, which is unheard of for Dublin. Dublin scored 14 points in 90 minutes of play. Like I said, Mayo wouldn't get to 15 points. They didn't. But to be fair to them, they kept Dublin at bay. And Dublin are looking at that going, is 14 points in 90 minutes are standard. So there's things they need to address on that side of things as well. Like I say, with Stephen Cluxton, he needs to decide if he wants to come back and play. Paul Mannion and these guys... That, that's, Do you think there's a chance kind of, that Stephen Cluxton, Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey? Honestly, hand on heart, I don't know. And nobody can know. Like I say, it is an unbelievably personal decision to either commit and say, I'm going to give my life over to this because that is what it takes. When you're playing into county football, when you're playing for Mayor, when you're playing for Dublin, or playing for any county, but you're talking about winning all Ireland, it is your life you're putting on the line for. And the players need to decide if they want to do that. Desi needs to sit down and say, okay. What can we do tactically? What can we do physically? How do we get younger guys through into the panel and get them up to the required standards? Because there is a big turnover player. So there's lots of challenges for Dublin over the next few months. And I've confidence in them that they'll go about and do it. I could not have more respect for Desi Farr and Mick Gavin. I haven't spent literally just a year with them. I couldn't have more respect for the players, my ex-teammates. I believe in them that, 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 that they will come back. But it, yes, is it hard for me? It is hard for me. I'm not important here. It's hard for the players. It's, it's, a, it's a devastating defeat. Seven years on the road and they've tasted that. It was always going to come to an end at some stage and I know them over the next couple of weeks it's going to be difficult for them but that is what it, the GEA is about. That's what playing and competing at elite sport is about. It's not all sunshine and roses. The true character of the team is, is how they bounce back and, and we don't know but, but I, I have faith that Dublin will come back. I think the key advantage about coming, coming from somewhere like Mayo is that you like when Dublin are winning six in a row there. I mentioned Lahith and McMahon and these guys coming through and they played against Jermud and Matty and all these guys in 2016. But like in Mayo, we've been trying to get over the line. So all these guys, you'll try Anthony to give you'll give the guys the chances because you're trying to win. Where Lahith and McMahon and these guys are, are way down the pecking order and they struggle to get up. So now they're 23, 24, and they're now getting their chance. So it's like what Paddy's saying is where Tommy Conroy and Ryan O'Donoghue learned a massive lesson last year. Them lads are just learning it now at 23 or 24. So it might take them a time to come through and to, to give them the space, and I suppose to give Desi Farrell the space to, to bring them players along as well. Again, on it, and we can mention all the, the, the bench and everything. If Con plays a tiny bit better, it could be all different for Dublin. Like in the first six scores that Dublin scores, Con has four inclusions, two assists, a point himself, and he kicks the ball across for Smalls free, then he wins where he goes to catch the ball. So he's the, just the one before the assist. So he gets the mark then, and he kicks it from 35. That was bizarre. That was, that, was, like, that was, that was, yeah, I've never seen Conor Conlon kick a ball from that far out in Crow Park. Maybe, but, but, maybe I'm wrong with that, but I've seen him puck a ball from that far in a yeah. club game, but he's never but, kicked but the ball that far. The confidence seemed to drain out of him. So even getting more out of Con and him going back, getting refreshed and Kenny getting refreshed and coming back and, you know, even, even Fenton going back and getting, 
it could be all changed next year. Do you know what I'm saying? It could be a whole different run. Not even the younger fellas, the established guys, but coming back, coming back with a bit more freshness can all change that. Whoever wants to jump in here, feel free to, because I think Bodie, you can come at it from different angles. Paddy, after 2014, when you were beaten by Donegal, or Andy, after losing All-Ireland Finals in, in 16 or 17 or even 13, how long does it take for the bit of hunger, the, the bit of fire to come back in? Uh, from my experience, and you're hurt. You're, it, it doesn't go away, really. Like, I remember playing games the following summer in 2015, and it's just under the surface there. And we haven't performed. We felt we threw away in All-Ireland in, in, in 2014, and that hurts players, because it looks like you're giving your life over to this. It means a hell of a lot to you. And when you don't perform, you don't get the results you wanted, that hurts you. And it, it stays with you until you put it right, to be honest. Like, that winning in 2015, when we back Kerry in the final, it was elation to a point. But I always remember like the overriding feeling I had was relief. <laughs> that yeah. We put it right. You, you know, we, we not performed in 2014. And there is hurt there for a long, long time. Right from, you're devastated. You are devastated. Andy, you know this. And, and that's why I know the Dublin players are feeling that right now today. And that'll stay with them. And it does, it drives you on. That's, there's no two ways about it. And if it doesn't drive you on, and if you're not heard about it, well then there's serious questions asked then, there do you have the hunger and the commitment to come back. But, but, but that is, it is, it's a devastating loss. And I touched on it last week in a nearly a jovial manner. Like There are more important things in life than sport. But when you're in it, there's not. There's genuinely, there's not. So that's how hard it, it's going to hit those players. Um, but that's the challenge. But like, from my point of view, I like it doesn't weigh heavy on me. It genuinely doesn't, and it, it never has. It's it's just not my personality, really. But the hurt of losing all Ireland will stay with me till the day till the day it's over. If I'm being honest, it, um, <laughs> you can't say it doesn't hurt you. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, that, like, I'm saying it. Like, I wouldn't go around in my daily life thinking about it. But yeah, but it's, it's there somewhere. It's there, there somewhere. Oh, there, it, it's there. It's there. Like we, we, I, me, on a personal level, set out to achieve a goal that we, we we try to do as a team and you as a person. And Paddy said, like, growing up, his thing was always to win All-Irelands. And we were no different. Just because we're from Mayo, it was no different. So they did the hurt. The, the, they would stay, like, there would be always a few echoes in my kind of chamber there to, to, to remind me of them things. And, like, we lost them all. And the first one that really felt fatal was 17. Um so we lose 16, but you, you all think, geez, yeah, we've a couple of young fellas coming through here. The likes of Jeremy and Stephen Cohen is kicking on. We did an outrageous training. Like, we went on holiday to South Africa. We never, on a, as a group, no management with us, never trained as hard as our lives. Like, because we knew we were going in for an assault at this again. But I remember being back in the room with my little girl and my wife, and that was the first time I really, that, that, that would, it was, it was fatal. And um, for me, that, that that will stay with me, I think, for the rest of my life. And not, again, not in a, a way where it, there's ever bitterness or anything, but when you set out to achieve something, same in business, the same with family, the same with everything. When you set out to achieve something and you don't achieve it, it's there for everyone to see. What I love about this team, my team, like, like I, I go through me, for example, we lost a minor. Um, to Conrad Murphy, James Masters, Cork. We lost minor. We lost twenty ones to Armagh, and we lost the All Irelands. I've lost at senior level since. So my group 
never got the winning. I'm not sure it's a mentality, but we never got that winning feeling. Where I feel this group is different is that the core of this group, the Stephen Combs, the Jeremy O'Connors, the Matty Ruans, have won a, a minor. They've won an, uh, a, a 21s. And they've won a National Football League in Crow Park against Kerry. And lads, that, Paddy, you know, after that 13 when you won it, that mentality surely means something to you. Oh, I've never felt it, but I'm sure you did. I, I think the, the big thing in the start of that, that brilliant decade for Dublin was that 2011 win for, for Dublin. It's, I, it was just a huge moment. It, it just gives confidence, it gives vindication, it gives tangible rewards for the work you're putting in and it just gives belief that we're good enough to do this. And like I say, you never know. You can do all the training, you can do all the preparation until you do it. You're never entirely sure. And that's why I think it, touching on the two young guys, O'Donoghue and Conroy, the confidence they will take from it, of doing it against Dublin and Crow Park will be the same as what what Dublin, I feel, would have got from that 2011 win. And for a lot of those players, James McCarthy, Jeremy Connolly, Paul Flynn, Cluxton, Keane O'Sullivan, that was a vindication that we're good enough to do this. And it just snowballed from there over the next 10 years. So Andy's right that at some stage in your career, when you're doing all this work and you're putting all this sacrifice in and you need, are we doing enough? And being able to get over the line and win, winning All-Ireland is definitely vindication. It gives huge confidence for that. And that's... That's why Saturday's win, although it's not a final, it's it's a massive, massive win. Whoever was going to beat Dublin, whenever the sun was going to come to an end, it was going to be a monumental victory for that group. And that's what I feel it is for now. And that's what they're going to be banking on. That 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 conference and that they don't need to fear carrying the online final. If they've beaten the team that hasn't lost a match in seven years and they've dethroned the six time all Ireland champions in a row, they don't need to fear anyone. They won't be favourites. There, there's definitely things they need to improve on from their own performance. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of their efficiency and tech, technical skills up front. But it's a, it's a great starting point when you know, without a doubt, that your athleticism, your bravery, your balls are all there. That's a great starting point for any team. Um, and that's why I just think it's a, it's a massive, massive win for, for that group. It'll be a long winter in Dublin, so we will have time to get into it all again. I want... I wanted to ask about a question that I'm not going to ask right now. I'm going to save it for another podcast. Uh, but I do want to ask you, Paddy, about what I think could possibly be a seminal moment in the way games are officiated at the top level. I don't want to waste a half an hour here giving off about what the hell is the black card and what the hell is the yellow card because personally it felt like an off-the-ball foul by Conor Callaghan could have been a black card. Uh, Davy Burns pull down could have been a black card Dublin ended up with three black cards I think Conor Lane was possibly addressing the balance towards the end of the game but John Small I'm going to start off with saying that John Small is going to nail Owen McLaughlin and he's well within his rights to do so he absolutely smashes him with everything he has and he very very nearly gets it right unfortunately for Owen McLaughlin he gets it wrong and we know Andy that McLaughlin he, he's undergone surgery on a, a double double fracture in his jaw. Paddy, you've been there with an injury like that. Yeah. Niall Morgan, like you were chasing the ball. I think it was down down the hill 16 side of Crow Park, was it? And Niall Morgan opened you. It was honestly looking back, it was really the exact same to, to be honest. And 
Um, oh, it was a sore one. There's no two ways about it. Right? It was, what, two years ago, 2019, National League in Crow Park. Uh, and I fractured my jaw in two places as well. And, and underwent the exact same surgery as as Owen would have, have gone through either on Sunday or, or, or yesterday. I'm not sure, sure when it was. And... Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a terrible one to get. There's no two ways about it. Having your mouth wired shut for 10 weeks is not nice. It's a, it's a horrible one. And I remember for me, it was, it was incredibly difficult. Um, not just because you missed 10 weeks of play, but you, you can't eat, you can't really sleep. It's a, it's a bad one to get. Um, and, and, and to be fair, my reaction to this, and this is getting a lot of airtime on social media and stuff like that as well. And I'm never a fan of that. I think there's been some pictures circulated on social media, which I don't think are fair and don't do this justice. Like you're freeze framing it in a millisecond there. And I don't think that's tried by social media is right for any Gaelic football player. And there's been lots of players, not just John, Philly, Aidan O'Shea getting abuse on social media. And in my opinion, it gets a lot of bollocks. I don't accept that these players deserve respect. My opinion on, 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 on the contact itself Every player on that pitch, and anyone who's played senior in football, is going to go in for that collision. That's first and foremost. So that is, unfortunately, or whatever way you look at it, that is part of the GA. There's going to be full-on collisions. John goes in, it, it, it's a kind of the passes behind on McLaughlin from Hessian. And literally, a mil, we're dealing a milliseconds here. Small nails him, shoulder to shoulder. Dublin get the ball, and it's a brilliant hit. And on McLaughlin gets back up and Dublin have the ball. It turns out, he's about, I'd say, less than half a second late, and Owen McLaughlin just, just turns his body in, and instead of the shoulder being bang on shoulder to shoulder, it's on the inside of his shoulder, and his momentum carries up, and he catches on the chin. The exact, honestly, I look back at my own one so many times with Niall Morgan, it was the exact same. And Niall Morgan texted me, I think it was two days after, I was in hospital for two nights in the home, now Morgan texts me, he goes, Jesus, man, look, I came in to bury you. There's nothing, I was coming in to put you on your hole. I didn't mean to injure you. And I just text him back straight away, don't, don't be silly. I, I totally understand it. You were coming in to bury me. I get that. A little bit mistimed, but I did, uh, maybe I'm naive, Andy, and, and, and you can kind of talk with your own opinion on this. I don't think any player goes out to injure another player. I, I just do not believe in that. It's physical. There was lots of hits in that game. And for John, he's half a second, if even half a second late. And that's the, the unfortunate thing for Owen McLaughlin. I, I actually, people say, is it a red or is it a yellow? I don't think it's intentional to injure. In fact, I know it's not intentional from John to injure Owen McLaughlin, but he has mistimed it a bit. I probably would have said a yellow and a free. I think the, the, the most, the, the, probably the most galling thing is, we were 100 feet away, Tommy. Where are you? Probably is that... Oh, I, didn't, I, I couldn't see it at the time. 100%. Uh, uh, what you could see was before Owen McLaughlin even hit the deck, he was knocked out. That's it, the it was, it was so evident. And how in God's name that game was not stopped at that point from Conor Lane, from, from Morris Deegan on the sideline. Like, it, it was evident from 100 metres away. We were at the top of the Hogan stand and you can see Owen McLaughlin with his, his KO there. The game needs to be stopped immediately. Colin Baskin only scores a goal. And, That's game and over. We'll probably win the game for Dublin. So look, uh, I'm defending John Small. I do not think it's intentional. I know him. He's a hard player. He's a physical player. There were other hits in that game that were, were late as well. It's just literally 
a climbing thing of, mm. of literally half a second, what you're doing, even less. I've been on the end of it before. And I think as players, when you play at the highest level, there are going to be collisions like that in the game. And it's look for own. I just want to wish him a speed of recovery. And I know, and I'd say John has probably spoke to him already. And Dublin probably reached out. He's, he's not going to play in the all Ireland final. It's a 10 to 12 week injury. It's a tough couple of weeks ahead for him and for him and his family and things like that. And, but, but, but for me, I just think, I don't think there was malice in that. I, I have to say, and people can't be biased. I've been on the end of it myself. And I know, John, that that's my stance on it. Just before, you, just before you jump in there, Andy, I know where you're coming from, Paddy, and I don't think John Small meant it in any way to do what he did yeah. to Owen McLaughlin. He meant to open him and he was within his rights to do so. I do think he mistimed it. So personally, I think it's a red card because he got him in the head. But for me, the big question is here, and I think serious, I'm so serious about this, serious questions need to be asked of Conor Lane. How on earth, in that position, in that moment, can you not recognise that that fella's lights out? He's hit the ground. He's hit like sack of spuds. It's dangerous. He's hit the ground and he's, 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 he's gone. I mean, we could see it from 100 metres away. The way he fell, and that's, I think, James Horan's reaction was... Mm. Like you're, you're worried about the players. Uh, my one for I actually wasn't knocked out with my one. Really? But, uh, no, I don't know how I wasn't. Um, but my job was basically just fell, literally just fell out the noise of it. And I knew myself within two seconds, and anyone around me knew I was fucked. We got a free, and, and the doctors came on. But, but for the whole stadium, could see oh my god, this is a bad way. The game has to be stopped immediately and get medical attention on there. So. There's got to be huge, massive questions of how that, how that panned out for the good to what, 20, 25 seconds after a play being waved on, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What, go on, Andy. No, no, I, I just, I, I suppose I need to give it from our perspective the, and I, I totally get what Paddy's saying. He, he comes in and we know, we've, we've talked about John Small. We've talked about what he brings. Even in force, what he brings. He's always going to go for that hit. He's within his rights to go for the hit. But once he missed times, it's a red card. It's a red card all day long. It's 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 nothing like Dean Rock had a yellow card for like what looks like tiddlywinks compared to what just happened in, in that instance. And I don't think that's John. I wouldn't. I'm not here to say John Small. John Small goes in for this. He goes in. He goes in for it. If he if he minces his shoulder and shoulder, it's a big hard hit. Massive turnover for Dublin. He doesn't. It's a red card. It's as simple as that. I'm with you, Tommy. The big questions on this for me. Is the officiant like it? Okay, let's let's leave Owen McLaughlin. Owen McLaughlin is on the floor; he's injured. If Dublin go and score that goal from that instance, which should be a free, and one of the players is knocked out, like I actually think Niall Scully puts up his hand. I actually think Scully puts up his hand to say "whoa," and then he just realizes the game is played. Like you see him, he puts up the hand once. Scully, he does. He does. And you're just wondering. You're like. How Morris Deegan doesn't see that? Hold on here a second, Connor. There's something wrong here. How Connor Lane doesn't see, like it's crazy. You, you, like we're going to talk about Tyrone and Kerry. I'm sure you err on the side of caution to the player, and that's not John Small's responsibility, really. That's Morris Deegan's responsibility in Connor Lane's, and for them not to see that, it's criminal. For Owen McLaughlin to be out of the game, it. We know when we go into a game, you've got opportunity, you, 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 have the, you have the chance to get hurt within a game. You do understand yeah. where you play. But if Mayo were put out of the championship by Colm Basquell hitting the back of the net there, and for them not to be a free, 
like you are bringing the game into a, a, an area where it should never be brought into. And whatever about special congress is coming later this year, and we're hoping that there's going to be huge change affected on the game. I think there needs to be an open conversation with the way that refereeing decisions are dealt with. The, the physicality and the power and the athleticism of players these days, the, a conversation needs to be opened up about, I don't know whether it's a TMO or whether it's somebody else stepping in to say to the referee, hold on a second, head injury, or there's a big moment here, go back. Something's going to have to happen in those moments. I don't know whether it's possible. Maybe it's only happening at the top level in Crow Park or in inter-county games. But, but at that level, when the power, when you're being hit by John Small, like, it, like there's people giving off about Peter Caffrey being on and, and the comments he made. And, and I suppose he, maybe he was a little too tinted in blue what he was saying. And he referenced that James McCarthy hit on Nathan Mullins, which I think was completely different. But the force with James McCarthy hit Nathan Mullins that day, I can still feel that just watching on the TV. I think there's going to have to be some sort of a change off the back of that moment because it was too serious. We're going to move on, lads. <laughs> We're going, to, we're going to move on. I'm sorry, Paddy, but we're going to move on because we're an hour and a half in and I want to get 10 more minutes in here. Squeeze it out of you. Um, Kerry and Tyrone has been moved back to the 28th. So we spent 15 minutes last week talking about Kerry and Tyrone and what that way that game was going to go. It's been... I, I'm delighted the game has been moved back. I, I'm reading a piece in the in the Examiner today that Kerry are being seen as a saviors of the championship, that it's, it's Kerry's intervention <laughs> that has seen you know Tyrone uh, get this game I noticed that they released their statement just maybe 20 minutes, a half an hour before the GA released their statement that the game be moved. Tyrone have had the game moved back a week. The GPA stepped in last week. Uh, I think their statement wasn't as strong as their position possibly was. Tom Parsons joined us on the show and after Tom was talking to us, I, I kind of felt like the game was going to be moved. I felt like, or else Tyrone weren't going to play. Um, and I think it's great to see, regardless of how the COVID cases came about or regardless of whatever way it's happened, we're in this situation at the moment. And it, it's good to see that there's not going to be a walkover in the championship and that another week has been given to Rome. I don't know how you boys feel about it, but uh, there's, there's, I suppose there's two sides to it. Kerry have spent two years preparing to face um, Dublin in an All-Ireland final. It all fell apart last year for them. This year, they've obviously changed their game. And now they're going to be playing Mayo. So they have a lot little, if they get by Toronto, they have a lot less time to prepare for it. But we do have a month now where Mayo have to wait for their All-Ireland final. Is that going to make a difference, Andy? Ah, there's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, like, I was absolutely pro Tyrone getting getting the time. I'm pro player. Like, it, I know there's club players waiting, but it's in three counties here now. The rest of the counties can bore on and away you go. But... The, we're talking about our pinnacle game without an All-Ireland semi-final because Tyrone might get its own. I'm delighted the GPA stood in. I'm delighted Tyrone took their position. And I have to say, fair play to the GA. They didn't wait around. They got it sorted. The game is on. And I'm delighted for that. And a selfish point of view for me, oh, I was, uh, I was kind of hoping that Kerry, <laughs> Kerry got the walkover because they wouldn't have had any practice at Crow Park since uh, 2019. Um, so I was thinking we all would have their third game there in the All-Ireland final and it gives us a huge opportunity. But the month is, is difficult. I, I, I think there's some players, Paddy, I don't know where you'd stand on it. For me, I would love it two weeks, two weeks. Me personally, because I don't like the, the sitting around thinking, waiting around. You have to train really, you have to train really hard for that month too to keep you into that peak position as well. Um, some players will love it. I know the likes of Paddy Durkin there, for instance. Paddy Durkin, it won't phase him at all. He'll just go in, do his thing, keep himself a good nick. There's other players there that love it. Um, Will it give so Ushin Mullen a chance? Oh, Ushin back. I thought, like, I, I, I think Ushin was very close to. 
to toggle at the weekend. From what I was hearing on the ground here, I thought, and I think I kind of said this too, I thought he was going to be in the match day 26. Um, but no, he just missed out on it. So Oshin will be back, hopefully. Um, and hopefully we get through the month injury-free. It gives me over oh, two weeks here now to look at Kerry. It gives him another opportunity to go to Crow Park and see Kerry in the flesh. And then you go in and you, you have... So it does give us an advantage in that part. The place you would be worried about is to make sure you're at your peak when you're going to, go to hit the ground in, two, in, in four weeks' time. Paddy, it's hard to know the ins and outs of the throne situation, but we do know that over 50% of the panel either had COVID or were affected by it. Are we writing off throne here? No, look, I, I to say, when, I, when I seen their statement on Saturday, I had a little chuckle at it. It was the most hospital pass they were throwing back to the GAA mm. and it was just put back into their court. This is the All-Ireland Football semi-final. Flagship of our sport. It's not the mini-leagues. You don't give a walk over. It's just, you know what I mean? The game, their statement basically forces you. They, they had to go ahead. You cannot give a walk over at this stage, particularly whether... Tyrone were lax in their, their bubble. That's irrelevant. I think at this stage of the championship, with COVID still rampant in society, you've got to accept that, that, that there may be issues like this. The GA had to, to back down and allow them time to, to play it. Kerry would want the game played as well, I have to say. I, 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 Tyrone obviously do, but I think the Kerry players would want it as well. I know the supporters, anyone involved in the GA wants to see this match. I thought probably from the outset, the GA got it wrong. To only give six days, everything we've heard with this this virus over the last 18 months, HSE guidelines is 14 days. That's a period of self-isolation, it's a period of recovery. It still might be, but I don't know, with long COVID, people are still trying to figure this out. It, it may still have an impact on the throne camp, but six days was never going to be enough to uh, to rectify the issue. So I think they've got there in the end, and I'd say credit to the GAA to come out and put it to bed quickly and not drag it out even more. Tyrone can go about now. One, the players trying to regain their health, which is the, the, the primary focus here, that the guys are back and they're healthy and they're okay and they'll be in a position to play this game in, in, in 12 days' time. Um, and I do think, of course, they have a chance. Of course, look, lads, <laughs> anything, we just witnessed Mayo beat Dublin and I was my definitive self, given my uh, predictions last week. I didn't think that would happen. I think Tyrone, of course, they have a chance. They'll have a game plan ready to, to try and curtail that Kerry forward line. They'll have a game plan to make sure their runners can get on the ball and hurt Kerry going back the, the other way. And they'll be looking for McCurry and, and Manny Donnelly and these guys. To You would say if there's a weak link or there's a, an area where, where teams will try and exploit, exploit Kerry, it's probably their full back line. Mm-hmm. Um, so Toronto will absolutely have a game plan. I think, it, look, it's great for both teams. This game is going ahead and it's great for the GEA as a whole. It, it had to be played for the credibility of this tournament, for, for, for this championship, for the status of GAA, for, for everyone involved, supporters, fans, media, players, everyone. It, it, it had to go ahead. So I'm just glad we've got there in the end and it wasn't a farcical situation where a team has been given a walkover in the second biggest game in our sport. So, Anything else to add on the Tyrone Kerry game, Andy? Or are we going to do? We're going to wait for our no, special we'll next, next week. Next week, I, I, I do think Kerry are, are odds on to win it. Um, it's funny to see actually, uh, and I'm not a betting person, but I went in and checked the odds before we came on, and Kerry are actually odds on to win the All Ireland with two games to play. So it does seem a bit bizarre. Um, but I, I do expect Kerry to win it. But we'll go through all that kind of analysis next week because um, we'll have plenty of time to go through. Can I ask Paddy one thing, actually? Can I ask him? Yes, go on. I just know, like, I've noticed, and it's something, 
I was trying to remember back as my time as player, but you, you've had many more days there, right? The hill seems to be a massive issue for teams at the minute. Um, in terms of, so you, you look at Mana and uh, Mana and Tyrone. Yeah. All the scores are scored, scored into the uh, Davin Stand, into the where we know as the Canal End. Um, you look at Dublin the last day and Mayo the last day. Both struggled to score into the hill. You look at Mayo v Galway. Mayo struggled to score into the hill the first the first half. Galway struggled to score into it. They didn't score in the third quarter like Dublin the last day. Is there something? Is it that there's no crowd there? Or no, I, 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 I there's always a win. There's always a win there. Like the, the, obviously, the other three sides of the stadium are protected, they're insulated. Shooting at the canal end is just, there's never conditions. To, there's no wind there. It's protected. Into the hill, there's always a win. And you, it was so evident on, on Saturday night. If you look at Dermot O'Connor takes a 50-yard free in the first half off the ground. I mean, he doesn't catch it cleanly as he would have liked anyway, but it's well short. I think Paddy Durkin shot a couple of minutes after that. Dropped well short. And we've seen Paddy Durkin. Paddy Durkin can launch the ball over the bar. It's so evident at that, that point that, that there was a big breeze there. I know Mayo and Galway both struggled with it in the Connacht final, and that was a relatively calm day. But there's always a big breeze around Hill 16. And the way it comes into the stadium, it actually just swirls. It, it's, it, it's unique. Look, there's no other stadiums in the country that are like it. So for, for players, that can be a challenge, particularly now as the weather starts getting worse and worse. Mm. And by the time the All Ireland Finals can be played in September, it could be bad condition. But it is without without a doubt, it was always harder scoring into Hill 16 than it is. It's just always serene down the other end in the canal. Yeah, like Dar- Darren Cohen doesn't score his point into the hill. Do you know the one? No he chance. You know, Tommy Conroy's one. Ryan O'Donoghue hits a big one, and Tommy Conroy gets two monster points. I'd say they're dropping ten yards short really, <laughs> if it's into the hills. So it is definitely. Uh, and does the lack of crowd make a difference, Paddy? Oh, I don't. I don't think so. Really, you look at last year. Dublin had no real issues with, with that. Yeah. Their success. And one thing, I thought the crowd. I thought the Mayo energy from the supporters on Saturday night. I don't. Know, it was only Mayo people around us in the press box. Time. Oh my god! Because we were Andy. We were in the sections around. Jesus Christ! We were in the corner of the press box. It has a huge. Right over. It has a huge impact. Uh, the Mayo supporters were. We're flying, and you can see the energy that was given the team. And look, it all it all helps. And, and you know what? I've already I don't know many people now, but a few people I know now they've already been on text looking for, for tickets for the All Ireland Finals. So uh, Nate the Murphy's looking for tickets as well. Yeah, there's only forty thousand allowed. So, so look, it'll be a brilliant atmosphere even with only forty. But look, Jesus, you, you, you could pit whether it's Mayo against Kerry or Mayo against Tyrone, you could probably get two hundred thousand people into there. You know, it's going to be a special day. Two final questions from the weekend's football. The off the under 20s won the All Ireland, the under 20 All Ireland. Like, what an enjoyable team to watch. The likes of Jack Bryant, Cormac Egan, they stood up and they delivered on the biggest day. Now, Roscommon had a series of goal chances in the first half that they just, just didn't take. Um, but, but my question is, is like, we spoke about, we'll, we'll go back to, I suppose, Desi Farrell and James Horan's management of the transition in both squads. How can Offaly and John Mohan bring those lads through? Well, I, talk, I talked to Mike Solon, um, who's doing the club, Balladrine. He, he, he were joint managers for the for the club team, you know. And he was with that, he was the Mule, um manager when they won the under 21 in 16. And it, like he, he said, Offaly have had serious teams down for three, four years. 
um, in in that Leinster, but they haven't been able to get out of Leinster essentially. And this year, it, it's literally came right for them. So he said, even back then, sixteen, seventeen, they were gaining momentum all through the same manager, and they were gaining momentum right through that, um, right through them five years. So. Offaly seem to do okay with the, with their younger players this year, bringing them through. So it's about developing them through. The key ones are Niall McNamee and these guys to make sure, and Derby and these guys to make sure that they're brought into a structure and to that you're raising the standard. Because if you come in at under twenty one standard and you try to um, you try you think this standard is good enough to compete, you're not going to get near it. So it's so important that the the good people around the dressing room. Paddy's often talked about Cluxton, James McCarthy, and these guys. They're setting the standards all the time. I would say the same thing about Lee Keegan, Tom Parsons, Keith Higgins, and these guys setting the standard. And then young fellas have something then to aim towards. And that's the way to do it. It's not about bringing them in and making them be the standard setters and expecting too much of them. It's about bringing them in, making them part of it. And then when it's right, pushing them into the team. But they have serious talent, they have serious pace. Um, they're exciting, both for us common and both for Offaly. We've seen Roscommon here before, and I think Roscommon have fallen foul of that, bringing too many young fellas in in too too quickly. Yeah, setting that standard for them. Um, so I think it's just important that. But Offaly are making all the right noises. They're making all the right noises about how they're going to implement them. It's not going to be enough to do it at senior level, and I, 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 I it's going to be exciting for them moving moving into the next stage of the career. Paddy, it's been an awful long time since we've seen a green and gold jersey with key pack plaster across the front, pulling off a comeback, a Lazarus-like comeback, the way that the Mead women's team did at the weekend. Six points down against a Cork team in injury time. Against the buzzer, they get two late goals to draw the game. This is a Cork team that in 2015 bet them by 40 points in the senior championship. They went down to intermediate level and came back up. I've mentioned it before. If, if that isn't an example of what can happen when a tiered system is done correctly, the Mead women's team have, have shown the way. Have you ever, this is a, a completely innocent question for anyone who knows me, have you ever been six points up in injury time and thrown it away? I, no, I don't think so. Have you, <laughs> have you Tommy? No, Andy, have you been there? Were you not there last weekend, no? I was there, yeah, I was watching it. But we, <laughs> we won't get into it. Have you, Andy? Um, you ever lost a game in injury time with 90 seconds I don't ago. know six points I don't know six points I don't, I don't think so but, but, but I, I'd say on the weekend and, and not from a Dublin perspective but saying that an under 20 final with Roscommon and Offaly in it whoever won that game it's it's brilliant for the GAA you want new teams coming through you look at Mead and their be fair Tommy their minor success over the last two years even in Dublin, people want these players to come through and, and, and get a great Mead team back in the Leinster Championship. Awfully, what an amazing story. You couldn't, if you like, not just, I'd say if you just like sport, to see a team of young guys go up there, like Offaly hadn't been in, in any All-Ireland final, I think, since the Hurdlers in 2000, would that be right, when they lost Kilkenny? So, seeing an Offaly team in Crow Park, Shane Lowey, obviously, <laughs> as one of their main supporters. It's just a brilliant story for the GEA, the style they play, I want to see these players come through. I'm excited. Can John Mon bring through a couple of these guys and can hopefully get momentum? Same on the ladies' side. It's been Dublin and Cork as really the two dominant teams. And Mead come out of, come out of nowhere, really. I couldn't believe when I seen that, that, that tweet one of the guys put it up. 40-point swing yeah. to be back in an All-Ireland final. It is brilliant. That is what the GA is about. That's what sport's about. Teams 
we touched on it earlier on we were touching on the National League and the stories of Enda McGinley with Antrim and Mott mm-hmm. with Offaly and Rory Gallagher with, with, with Derry teams not kind of pissing and moaning and giving out about everything and the negative glass half empty approach instead just going right let's get the right structures here let's whatever whatever talent whatever resources we have at our disposal let's just work our backsides off and get the most out of this and it's so refreshing to see it's brilliant to see and as disappointed as I was on Sunday uh, after what happened to Dublin on Saturday night, to, to, to see the, the, the kind of joy and the reaction of, of Offaly winning that game and then the mean ladies going and doing that, that is what the GAA is, is, is so special for, that these teams could come and, and deliver on the biggest stage. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant weekend. And, and he looked at Mayo's victory and, and taking Dublin out and finally getting the rewards after such so many years of heartbreak. It is brilliant to see for, for, for GAA supporters. Well, I think you said it there, like unpredictability in sport is, is why we watch it and we care about it so much. Everyone who plays sport wants to believe. There's no point in doing it unless you believe you can get there, you can win or you can you can progress. I think it's actually set Gaelic football up though, Andy. Like regardless of like Dublin's ability to bounce back from this, we feel like there's a great Kerry team on the horizon. We feel like this is a, a new kind of Mayo that's coming. Like the likes of Offaly, potentially Mead, Look at Tyrone. I can't believe I just put Mead in there. Donegal. Like, there's so many yeah, different storylines that can come. You give him Andy, an inch, he takes a mile. Andy, you jump in there, and I'm going to come back with one last point, but you go in there before we, we wrap oh, up. Oh, a good here. buddy of mine is he's, uh, the, the, the Clare manager, Evan Talty's name, Clare ladies manager, and he, he, he's been on about Mead all year. He's been, he said, best organised team he's seen in a long, long time. He said in men's or, or ladies ladies football, see their composure there in the last minute when Cork put them under pressure. Unbelievable. Like we've seen Dublin go across the goal with the ball. The Mead ladies bring it over and back, over and back and get up the field and to get a good score to to, to kill out the game. And it was, uh, yeah, it was amazing to see. But he's been on about them. I'm telling you, oh, they had a challenge match with them earlier on in the year and he said, best mm. organised team he's seen in a long, long time. So it just shows what can happen when you put the right structure in place. Yeah, 100%. I just want to mention this because uh, Willow Callahan, a colleague of mine and off the ball, he tweeted it and uh, Ray Boyne, you'll know him, Paddy, actually put the video together. I want to get your score of the week and then we're going to wrap up. But Jack Bryan's goal for Offaly. The, he gathers it, he swivels, he buries it. I'm actually going to embed it on the video when we're talking here. I'm going to send it to you afterwards. It is a carbon copy of Matt Connor's goal, I think, in 1982-83. It's absolutely, it's just, it's it's freaky how similar it is. I think, it, I think he said earlier on in the year too that he was quite like him, you know, um, I think he said on Twitter that he's quite like him, but he, he got he, a bit of grief no for that. No pressure there. Yeah, he, he seems like he seems like an exceptional footballer, but again, it's all how these guys are managed. Yeah, how, how they're brought through, how they're introduced to the to the. I wrote a bit about Bryant last week. He, he's a lovely player to win to win the ball, like literally, and he's just one of these ones, Paddy, where even if it's not going well for him, his team still have confidence to keep giving him the ball. It's it's lovely to see, you know. Andy, I'm not going to give you a time for a, a moan of the week, but um. Like no you mentioned you mentioned two weeks ago uh, first week ever what? first week ever <laughs> Paddy he mentioned two weeks ago that he's writing a book I suspect you might have to uh, pull it back from print will you and re- rewrite another chapter or two yeah epilogue um, it, it, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. To oh, it's print. gone to print. It's it, gone to print. It's gone does, to print. Does the pod get a mention in it? Tell me we're thrown in somewhere. You better. I wrote. I wrote. I wrote. Put it in his contract, Tommy. Yeah. I started writing stuff down. I was approached about books all through 2019, and I, I do, do un, 
unintentionally started writing stuff down during the first lockdown. So it's about kind of the team between 2010 and 90. <laughs> sure now they're just have to go and beat in Dublin. <laughs> so and we might have to rip up. I think it might hold off Boy League Higgins book instead. We might have to rip it up. It's not an autobiography or anything like that. It's just it's uh, <laughs> just a bit of kind of uh, vignette. Will, will there ever be a rainbow by Andy Moran? Oh, stop. I, I did some laugh. We were coming down in the car. I said, well, that could be the book up and up and smoke. But anyway, it's going to all crack. You know? I'd have taken it. We're going to need a new Dublin book now as well. Yeah. It won't be coming from me. It's, a new, it's going to be a new chapter. It's going to be, we're going to see what's going to come off the back of this. Lads, thanks very much. That is episode 15 of the Football Pod with, with Paddy and Andy. Are we doing Score of the Week? Oh, Score of the Week. Go for it. Go on. Paddy, who are you going for? Kevin Jackson. Okay. I Kevin thought it was. As, look, Dermot McConnell's going to get huge credit that I have a feeling that will be an iconic photo. Judging <laughs> yeah. by the reaction on Twitter to it already. But McLaughlin kicks a phenomenal score. I actually don't even think it's on. He, I think he's going to be blocked. And bear in mind, only a couple of minutes beforehand, he has loads of time on the left-hand side of the pitch and slices a bad wide off the outside of his left. Mm-hmm. But you know that point that he, where you've no momentum, you're actually standing still. So to get the, the power and the accuracy to get it over the bar, and look... The way the match turned out, that was a, a, a seminal moment in the game. So, um, and look, two, two players who've been there for mm. all the defeats, uh, Dermot O'Connor epitomising what Mayo are about, and Kevin McLaughlin, in another way, like having the balls to take that on. Uh, I thought it was a, I was a brilliant score. Uh, the Dublin side of things, I thought Kieran Kilkenny's points just before half time was, <laughs> it could be such a different story if they, if they go on in the second half. They keep the ball for three minutes, mm. and it was, that game plan at its absolute best. They find Kilkenny, pro, brilliant score. But look, I think people are going to remember McLaughlin's won a little bit more than <laughs> Kieran's going forward. Yeah, I, I, like just on the Dublin side, I thought Paddy Small's score uh, was an unbelievable move the whole way up the pitch. It was, it was a great move. Um, Kevin McLaughlin's score, obviously, Paddy's saying is probably my my one as well. But I just thought Darren Cohns, he came on in last year in the, in the, the All-Ireland final, dropped a few shorts. And just he literally just pulls it off his left shoulder down onto the foot of a fella I admire greatly, and um, yeah. it was lovely to see him to putting a few of them demons to bed too. I thought James Horn's management of Darren Cohen and Conor O'Shea is something worth mentioning this year because I asked you about Conor O'Shea. I looked at him in the match day panel, the match day twenty six down in Leitrimandi, and said, "Oh." Are we going to see much more from Conor O'Shea this year? I haven't seen him in a while. And I think you had mentioned how influential he'd been at club level over the last 10 years. And look, maybe it just hasn't happened for him at inter-county level, but Jesus, did James Horan get enough out of him in the last few minutes of that game? And then Darren Cohen, he was one of the main forwards last year and it just didn't happen for him in the All-Ireland final. He's had to take a back seat this year. What a score. What an unbelievable score. Talk about burying demons. I'm picking Rob Henley. Because I think if that ball is another yeah. yard back, like even even the, the way that he strikes it, like it's curling and you still don't know whether it's over the bar or not until the I last thought it was wide. I I'm actually just, thought I, it was going wide. It's like a pitch wedge. I'm looking. I'm looking. Gonna fade, like. I always yeah. look at the free taker and he is gone. Yeah. The he he he's gone. And I. <laughs> <laughs> is this when it cut to you when you were doing your salsa dancing there? And, and, and oh the my God. Uh, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Right. Episode 15 of the Football Pod, Paddy and Andy. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Come on. Salsa, salsa dance, mate. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling this is going to be a popular pod this week. <laughs> but yeah, c- congratulations to Mayo and commiserations to... Look, in my opinion, I'd have the, the greatest team, the greatest football team we've seen. It was going to come to an end sometime. And 
as good as I am, it's probably fitting that it would, if there's one thing that we're going to do it, <laughs> it was the boys in green and red, and uh, they deserved it on Saturday night. So. Fair play, Paddy. Fair play, Andy. Fair that play, is Andy. the 15th episode of the Football Pod of Paddy and Andy. Subscribe. Carry your own game has been pushed back. We're going to get another couple of weeks out of the podcast. I guarantee you that much. <laughs> So uh, it's been added into the contract once more. Hit that subscribe button. Every week, the podcast. Changes, Tommy. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>